so many freaks out there doing their little evil deeds they don't want to do. The voices made me do it. My dog made me do it. Jody Foster told me to do it. Hello everyone, welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and joining me is the ever-quotable Jay. What's in the box, Clarice? <laughs> I was, I, just like when we did the last Horror Coliseum show, I was very interested to see what combination you were going to go with. And uh, joining us also is the Silent Hill biker himself, the man who always has a .5 on it, Kenneth. Ooh. Yeah. Kenneth rolled up to the review like, I got .5 on it. You know, I thought about doing that, but then I was just like, Jerry would be a lot more smooth singing that than what I would. Is, I can't sing worth shit. I don't even know why y'all let me on this show. Um, <laughs> yes, we are doing Horror Coliseum number two for show number 30. Guys, we, this is show number 30. Wow. Believe it really? or not. Yes. I did uh, not even put that together. Because uh, That's pretty cool. Last show uh, interview with Dave Z of Exploding Heads was number 29. So this is number 30. Um, 30 usually comes after 29. You know, know I actually had to Google to make sure that was true. I really didn't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're doing Horror Coliseum. So last time we, we gave the championship belt to the thing. It crushed Alien for best sci-fi horror movie of all time. Today, we're going with Kenneth's favorite word, the best 90s thriller of all time. Who is going to get the championship belt? We have, in the left corner, I just blinked at the name while looking (laughs) at my piece of paper that has the fucking name on it. I am that good as a host. Silence (laughs) of the Lambs. And, oh, yeah. and in the right corner, we've got the underdog, the gritty seven, spelled now, with a seven. Yeah, no, it's spelled S E seven E N, which is fucking stupid. A seven doesn't even look like a V. Did you know there's some like pops, some like Korean pop star named Seven who uses the same spelling? When I was trying to make that picture today, um, I kept getting pictures of him. <laughs> and now you're turned on for life. Because uh, who doesn't love a young Korean boy? Uh, no, the only young Korean boy for me is Top. Shout out to all my K-pop fans. If you ain't fucking with Top or G-Dragon, I don't fuck with you. Um, so that that is our battle today. We will crown one of them the winner. One of them will walk away with the championship belt. And if you haven't heard the last one we did, let me break it down to you. We are going to talk about each movie, give our personal ratings like we always do, which is one through five. Um, no. but oh, personal ratings. Personal Sorry. ratings one through five. Uh, I was getting. Confused. But then we will go into a technical rating broken down into categories that'll be one through ten. Add it all up and see who wins, and um, we will have a winner, and y'all will know who it is, and I will keep talking. Um. <laughs> Oh, man, I just burped and it tasted like semen. I'm not sure why. Um, (laughs) So, sorry. with that being said, before we get into that, let's check in on everybody. Jay, what have you been up to? Uh, Not much. I went to go see my favorite horror-themed band uh, last weekend. Did you? uh, Wednesday 13. Did you twist your sister? The only music I know by him is when he was fronting Murder Dolls in that first album. That's yeah. it. And I, uh, no, he doesn't sing that one. Uh, he doesn't twist his sister anymore? 
No, not not there. No. He has a new album, so he sang a couple songs from that and some of the older stuff. Hey, is he so that still, was a good time. Is he still beefing with the lead singer of Dope? Are they still having feuds? Or are they finally getting that, that shit that I'm aware of. Uh, I just remember they were beefing for a long time, and I was like, why? Y'all look exactly the fucking same. No, they don't at all. Oh, they both look the exact oh, same. Oh, Edsel Dope looks like like super strung out. Oh, and Wednesday 13 just doesn't look that bad because he wears proper makeup. <laughs> he does wear makeup, so that's a possibility. Um, well, that's cool. That was a good show. Yes, you have yeah, a you you have show. a Wednesday 13 tattoo, right? I do have a Wednesday 13 so tattoo. It, and several pictures with the guy. Yeah, uh, is that your favorite like band of all time? I mean, you got a tattoo. So it, I, is. it is. I re- I ha- didn't discover them with until these last like ten years. Uh, a friend of mine got me really into them, but then they just their music is good. Helped me through some rough times. Even though it's mostly silly, it probably didn't mean it that way, but it did, and so yeah. they just mean a lot to me. Fair enough. Uh, so, Kenneth, what have you been doing? Working, getting school supplies for my kid. Um, I got my bike back on the road yesterday, which was really awesome, so I went riding my Harley for a while, and then I went over to a buddy of mine's house and uh, shot guns. So if I'd have got a blowjob in there, it would have been a perfect day. America, Woo. very nice. And you, you're still going through Game of Thrones, <coughs> which is always good. Yeah, I kind of slowed down on it because uh, I discovered the Boomerang app. So I've been watching a lot of cartoons, <laughs> and then uh, I'm having to watch these movies. And a buddy of mine brought bought me the Friday the Thirteenth game. So uh, yeah, I got into. I played that just a little bit, but I have to say. As much as I love Friday the 13th, the game, I was really excited for it, but I'm not as impressed with the Friday the 13th game as I am by the Dead by Daylight game. Yeah, as I was say, Reese has been playing the shit out of that Dead by Daylight game. She's been waking up early in the mornings and playing it before work. Right. And it, it's just, Dead by Daylight doesn't have as many glitches as the Friday the 13th game has. That's, you know, but I give them, I give them a little leeway on the glitches. Plus, but you, at the same time, you have more choices than the Friday Thirteenth game. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and then on top of that, when I was playing the game, the Jason that was chosen was the Nintendo Jason. Oh, that's dope. and you know, but but wait, you hear music when Jason gets close to you, and the music that came up was the music from the Nintendo game. It took me completely out of the game. Uh, it, uh, it, I mean, it went from. Not, you know, it already wasn't really that scary. I mean, it was cool to have like the in the background, you know, and stuff like that. And that and the normal Friday the 13th music in the background. And so it made it a little creepy and whatever. And then when you see a purple Jason running down through there and going around in circles and whatever. And then he gets close to you and you hear that old 8-bit music. I mean, it's like, okay. Does he box you? Um, Only if you're black. Oh, I was making a reference to the game, not Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, because the NES game he like he boxes you. And and then on top of that, like I said, the glitches like uh, you know if you're standing inside of a cabinet and he gets you through the cabinet, the axe comes through and you don't see the cabinet bust up or anything, and then pulling you back through you come through the cabinet doors and the cabinet doesn't bust up they've got clipping (laughs) issues yeah i mean it was just there's just things about it that i don't like but i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to play it some fair enough uh and kent what's your favorite band we just figured we just found out what jay's was do you have an absolute 100 percent favorite band of all time 
Dude, that's difficult. I listen to so much music, man. Yeah, but you don't have uh, one that you're just like, no matter what, they're your shit? I never really get tired of listening to Lamb of God. Oh, I do. I I, I really dig that band. I've seen Um, them live. Yeah, I've seen them six times. And uh, I really, really like Eluvietti or Eluvite or however the fuck you, Eluiti or however you pronounce it. It's a it's a band from overseas and they got a lot of like folk music from over there, like flutes and shit like that in their metal. That's pretty. That band's pretty good. So they're like the Jeff Toll of metal. Something like that. Word. Well, as for it's, me, it's like. I'm sorry. It's like. It's like if you were to go into Hobbiton. And the hobbits were making metal. Ah. Well, then. Well, they're not your favorite band because you can't even pronounce their name right, so fuck them. Learn mm-hmm. how to pronounce their name, you whore. Um, <laughs> as for me, I uh, I watched Warlock. It was good. Damn. It was good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, the, ma- the, the blonde Warlock dude was hot. I'd fuck him. Did you um, watch the special features? No. No, I haven't watched. Ain't hot no more. Oh, I'm sure he's not hot anymore. But (laughs) he was hot. He was hot then. Damn it. Um. So I watched that. I finally got my other half of my Scream Factory sale in. Um, Me too. All two movies. Yeah. One a week after. One last week. (laughs) Yeah. It took them over a month to give me the second half of my order. Um. And I placed an order for the Aero sale that just went on. So, but I don't know when I'll get those because it's uh, from England. And other than that, I think that's I haven't I've been I've been watching Sons of Anarchy because I made a deal with Kenneth. If he would start Game of Thrones, I would start Sons of Anarchy. So I'm at like episode eleven of season one. Um, I stopped watching it so I could come record this show. Yeah. Um, and I like Sons of Anarchy. It's no Game of Thrones, but I like it. Um, and, uh, everyone should know my favorite band is Every Time I Die, so I don't need to get into that. So, without further ado, let's get into this and let's talk a little bit about Silence of the Lambs. A, uh, the critical darling, as it were. Um, about everyone loves this movie. It has... So many awards under its belt, it's not even funny. So, does, who wants to go first talking about Silence of the Lambs? You know what's funny? And I'm going to start this off like this because that's who I am. I like both Red Dragon and Hannibal better than Silence of the Lambs. I like Red Dragon better than Silence of the Lambs, but not Hannibal. I agree with you, Jay. I, I didn't. I, Hannibal was okay, but I don't know. It did. It, I just like seeing Hannibal do his thing, and since he's a prisoner in both Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, actually seeing him as the main focus of being the villain was was fun for me. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, with Silence of the Lambs, this this movie, holy shit, um, this movie is a really really good crime thriller. But there's literally no mystery to this movie. I agree. Everything, my scores reflect that. Yeah, everything is kind of laid out for you. Um, but there's something I want to give credit to this movie for. This movie does not waste a single scene. The pacing for this movie, to me, is actually really good. Um, 
And one of the things I really like, um, they don't hold your hand in this movie. If you're paying attention, you will see everything. For instance, you know how you know how Hannibal Lecter got the piece of the pen to you know pick the lock and stab someone. You saw they pan across the knife that you know he's gonna pick up. You done there, Kenneth? Yeah. <laughs> Quit blowing the microphone, Ken. Damn it! I told you I'd give you the dick later. Um, Actually, I was just scratching my head. I don't know what happened. Ah, well, next time take my dick out of your mouth before you scratch your head. Do 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 do. That was terrible. Anyway, so like, even they show you the knife that Hannibal Lecter is obviously going to pick up before he, you know, goes and starts stabbing them. But they do it in a way where they don't focus the camera right on it. They just pan across it. And you notice it there, and they move on. Just like later on in the movie, you know that Buffalo Bill has a gun because there is a scene where they're looking at Buffalo Bill on the phone, and there is a gun on the stove. And when then afterwards, when Clarice walks, Clarice walks past the stove to chase Buffalo Bill, the gun is gone. They don't shove it in your face or anything like that. It is just, it is just obvious if you do it. It's right there. That is something I have to give a lot of credit for this movie before because I feel like a lot of movies would have like zoomed into the gun, showed him picking up the gun, uh, all that kind of shit. And this movie that did not feel the need to. That is how a lot of directors treat their audiences nowadays. You are definitely right. Yeah, and I just I just think it's wonderful that they did not have to do that. Um, but I do want to also point out something. Whoever was the costume designer of this movie, at no point do you need to make someone wear a turtleneck and a sweater. That's fucking redundant, okay? <laughs> I don't give a fuck if it's the 90s or not. You don't need a turtleneck and a sweater. Sorry, I had to point that out. I also had to point out, I can't believe someone wanted to kill a president over Jodie Foster. I just can't. I just don't... I don't see her as hot enough that someone, like, falls in love with her enough to want to kill the president. That the, that pussy is not good enough to kill the president. I'm sorry, it's not. Throwing it out there. Okay. You don't know that. I do know that. Like, <laughs> I no. Do you know? Like, you would have to be the kind of crazy that Brad Pitt talks about in Seven to want to <laughs> kill the president over someone as plain looking and who has a nose that could stab your eyes out as Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster's not bad to look at, but I mean, I can see someone wanting to kill the president based off the looks of Kate Upton. Like, oh, if I kill the president, fucking someone's going to blow... Kate Upton's going to blow me. Like, I could see... That's a reasonable crazy. That, that's a fair trade at this time and at this, this current well, let's, time. Well, let's strike that from the record. But I'm just saying, like, that, like I just don't see anyone doing it for Jodie Foster. She is literally... And I think she was a great pick for this role because you wanted someone who is kind of plain. Who doesn't have... Like, she's not ugly, but she's not, like, beautiful. She's She's very plain. She's very straight. Uh, flat as a board, stiff as a nail kind of thing. And that works so well for this character because she can, she could be the like kind of meek shy. And then at the same time, be like the really, really strong and persistent. And either way she goes, you believe it. Um, and I gotta say, she did a great job on that Southern voice. I know Kenneth the whole time thought people were standing in his house, talking to him in Georgia. <laughs> um, 
So let's let's t- okay. Let's get. All- Does anyone have anything they want to add about Clarice? Uh, no, I don't well, think dep- so. I mean, when I talk about all the actors of Rahul, oh yeah, I yeah. Might talk about I, it some yeah. more. Well, when we get into those categories, we'll we'll do those. But I just didn't say anything like anything that m- stuck out to you. You just kind of wanted to throw out that you had like in your notes. No, not, I, not I, specifically. Uh, okay. The, the, what you said about them not like holding your hand is is a thought I also had. Yeah. So that's that's accurate. By the way, I mean with the with the pacing. I'm sorry, with the uh, with the pacing. I mean it was the only thing. Well, that hold on. I think... We'll we'll get into pacing. We get to pacing. If it's about that, leave it till then. We'll get into it, and it'll get sexy. I want to keep all the intense stuff for that. Like. By the way, is there any other stuff. movie that's won an Oscar that has a cum shot in it? <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that a cum shot. Uh, there was cum, it and was it was it was shot. And it, it, it was in his hand, and he flung it at her. Okay, a, a cum throw. I'm sorry, you've never Spider-Man a woman, but some of us have, including this guy. Time. I'm just saying, it's not. I don't really consider it a cum shot. I'm just saying. Yeah, though I do have to say that. He slung jizz yeah. across the hallway and hit her in the eye. I yeah. like, Other than I would the like fact to that point... his dick was not in the <laughs> shot, that looked exactly like a money shot. That's fair. I like <laughs> the fact that Hannibal was very upset at that, and he talked the guy into killing himself. That was crazy. I actually want, like... That's badass. Like, <laughs> Hannibal, like, and also the scene... um, but way before that, when when Clarice first comes down there, and the guy says he can smell her cunt, and Lecter makes her repeat that to him word for word what he said, I in general was just like, seriously, this movie said cunt and has an Oscar, and then the cum shot happens, and I'm like, seriously, it has a cum shot, and it has Wait, a isn't fucking the Oscar, Oscar for Anthony Hopkins' performance and hers and Best Picture. Really? Dude, it got like four or five Oscars. I know Anthony Hopkins won, yeah. which is awesome. He's only on screen for like, it's like a total of like five minutes and 30 seconds or something like that, right? Uh, I don't know, but it was fan- It was fucking fantastic. I think... I'm going to look it I up think, I, uh, yeah, look funny at, number. And look how many Oscars they have and what they're for while okay. I continue to fucking talk nonsense. Um, One <laughs> of the things that the movie in general goes off of, like, and this helps with like moving everything forward, is... It never at any point gives you too much information. It never bogs you down. It is very tight moving forward, and I think that makes it a really enjoyable movie. At the same time, I also think that that makes it to where there's not a lot of, like, there's not a lot I'm going to, like, rewatch this. To, like, it's not like the thing where I'm rewatching to try to figure out more shit. If I'm rewatching it, it is purely just to enjoy the performance. Like,. This movie is almost an uh, an art film, just with how perfect everything is done. Uh, 16 minutes. Anthony Hopkins won an Oscar for 16 minutes of acting. All right, does it say what the the... other Oscars are? No, I was just looking up his screen time. Give me a second, I'll look that up now. Okay. Um, Kenneth, do you have any scenes that just stick out to you from this movie? And don't say the, the Bill likes to skin his humps, and that's how he got his name. Don't say that. Uh, best picture, best actor, best actress, best director. Yeah, see, four Oscars. Four Oscars. That's and it has a cum good. shot. 
You know what's crazy to me is these movies are only three years apart, but they look like they're they're set in different time periods. Okay, which one do you feel like? What time periods do you feel like each one's set in? Well, like, like I I would if someone showed me Silence of the Lambs, I would sit and just said what what decade do you think it's from? I would say eighties. Okay. Whereas uh, seven feels like it's like straight out of the mid nineties. Okay, that's interesting. Um. I'd almost say, like, if it wasn't, there are some of the exterior shots in 7 that almost look very 80s to me. Um, like, the outside world looks very 80s to me in 7, in seven but everything else it definitely is mid-90s. Um, so The best I- way that I can attribute to the way 7 looks is, to me, it always looked like a music video without music. Well, I mean, the director did do all music videos before he started with Alien exactly. 3. Yeah, but now exactly. he's like one of the most popular directors. Oh, yeah. Right. But my point is, is that's exactly the way it looks. It it has that 90s music video feel versus Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs has that solid, you know, this is, this is a very serious movie, you know, uh, uh, I guess I would probably have to say late seventies, early eighties look to it. No, I see. Okay, Silence is definitely the better made movie, but the the problem is, is it's all so simple. It's it's like a baker. He's just making another perfect loaf. It's perfect. It tastes good. Everyone has it. It's great. But at the end of the day, it's just it's it's just a a, a perfect piece of bread. It doesn't have, there's no spice in it. There's no edge to it. This no, movie, you just put a little butter on it. This, this movie, to me, is so perfect that it, it I, I understand why I don't watch it a lot anymore. Because while I was watching, I was like, God damn, this movie is like perfect on like almost every level. Does it get like, it does exactly what it wants to do and wants to accomplish. But I, I'm just kind of like a little bored like i if someone was like like literally i was going to rewatch silence of the lambs today and it took kenneth two text messages to convince me not to watch it and to go back to watching sons of anarchy yeah it's because i didn't see the point you know I mean, I mean it's like if you've seen silence of the lambs more than twice you know virtually everything about the movie yes exactly so i mean i don't know um Kenneth, do you have any scenes that you specifically, like, really love in Silence of the Lambs? Hmm. You know, I really, really enjoyed, and this is going to sound fucked up, but I really, really enjoyed the whole sequence of when they were basically doing the, quote, well, not even a full, but kind of an autopsy of the chick uh, that they found in the river. The one that had the diamond shapes on her back. Yeah, where they pulled the Marth, the moth. Right, right. Uh, that I enjoyed that a of. lot. That, that that to me was probably, you know, one of the most powerful scenes to me because you could you could you could see what 
Jodie Foster was conveying with her, with, you know, her not being a seasoned, you know, not even a full FBI agent at this current moment. So she hasn't really seen a lot of that kind of thing. So you could see it on her face, how uncomfortable it was making her. And then, but at the same time, the other people that were in the room, you know, like uh, her boss and the other guy, they were completely conveying, oh, we're just used to this. We've seen this shit so many times that it was, that, you know, this is just normal thing to us. And, and, and so I think the actors did a really, really good job at conveying all those things. And then on top of that, the, the level of realism to the dead body itself. And then on top of that, if you look at the scene where they're pulling the moth out, if you look at it close, I had a very, very hard time, and I don't even know for sure whether that was a dummy or a real person laying there with makeup on. Uh, it was a real corpse, actually. What? That was an actual corpse? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. I was about to say. You were like, I didn't see that is in there... research. Because the, hold she on. doesn't know more than I do. Hold What's up. Because time's out. If you can donate, instead of donating your body to science, you can donate it to be a scene in Hollywood for them to like pull a moth out of your corpse. Fuck that. Sign me up. Fuck someone there living was... off of my fucking organs. I want my organs to be displayed in a Hollywood movie for my kids to see. There was one horror movie, I can't remember the name of it, uh, back when they were doing the After Dark Film Festival, where they used an actual corpse, and it took place in a morgue. Damn, I can't I, remember I've, the name of it, though. I know, I've, I, like, there's movies that have used real skeletons, but... Yeah, poltergeist. Yeah, poltergeist, but, like, a real corpse I've never, I had never heard of, so I was like, I was about to be like, come shot, cunt, and a real corpse? I didn't want how many fucking Oscars? Hold on a second. Let's reel this fucker back. Anyway, sorry, Kenneth, continue. But, my, but that, that, that to me is also another thing that just made that scene good is because, you know, the majority of the time when I'm watching movies like this, I can tell the difference between a a, a body or a head that is made because some, in some movies it's really fucking obvious. You know, like Alien? Yeah, well, I was or, say Alien. <laughs> or, uh... You know, or whatever, but at this, I could not tell the difference. I could not. I mean, it, I, I was sitting there and I was looking, and, and to this point right now, I still don't know whether that was an actor laying on that slab or it was a dummy. I'll have to look into that. Um, Unrest. Unrest is the name of the movie that used the real corpse. Interesting. Yeah, okay, so... I have not seen that. Uh, Jake, do you have any, any scenes for Sansa and Lambs that you just absolutely love? Um, I like when the SWAT team comes into where Anthony or where uh, Hannibal's being held at the end and they see the soldier strung up on the cage, uh, that the, the lighting, the imagery, how it's revealed is just fucking perfect to me. I agree. That is definitely like, that's the scene that like visually sticks out the most to me. Um, so I'm, and it I'm really gives you there. an idea of how actually, like, you just watched them kill these two dudes, and you've heard stories about them the entire time, but it actually shows you how fucked up he actually is, that it, while there's an entire uh, police force in the same building as him, he took the time to fucking flay this guy and display him. Oh, yeah, and let's also take a second to think, okay, he stole the pen so he could write notes in the file Clarice left him before while he was waiting for um, them to screw him over. And somehow he got to keep the file. And I don't know if this is a problem in the movie or not, but uh, he got to keep the files the entire time, all through transition, 
so that he could then give them back. And keep in mind, he didn't have his drawings. Clarice had to bring him his drawings. So how did he get to keep that file but not keep the drawings? Is one thing that kind of always bothered me. And I started thinking about this because I was like, did he steal the pen so he could just write notes? And then afterward was like, well, shit, let me take this one piece out so that I can use it later to, to pick my handcuffs because I know they're going to handcuff me at some point and maybe I can escape. Like, and then I started thinking, wait, why did he still have the file? Well, if you, if you look at it, Tilton took his drawings as punishment for Miggs before he ever got the case file. I know I, so, I understand that, but I just don't know how, so how did Clarice ended up getting them. Oh, because she probably went to Chilton's office or just, went to Barney. And just stole that shit? Or asked Barney for it because Barney's a cool motherfucker. Barney is a cool dude. Um I love him. I actually I actually that's the only thing that I have about uh about Barney in my <laughs> notes. In the in the uh in the character section is uh Barney was cool. That's the yeah. only thing that I have about Barney is that he was cool. Yeah. Is that the black orderly? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, okay. I, I do have a scene. I, I Two scenes I actually want to talk about real quick. So, the, the famous scene of Lecter and Clarice talking to each other, quid pro quo, giving each other uh, information back and forth. The thing I want to point out, and I don't know if y'all noticed it or not. Did you notice... When Lecter is looking at her, it's him giving her information. But when she is giving him information, he is looking away almost to not be distracted by her so that he can clearly take in all the information, process it, and respond without being distracted by looking at her. Did y'all notice that? Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, because then you wouldn't give an emotional response based on what she was saying. Yeah, which shows that maybe he can't, um, maybe he can't hold back his emotions at times. Maybe. Well, I think well, I think he loves her. I think like, it I, makes him a more a more calculated psychiatrist. Well, wait, if he loves her, is he going to kill the president because he loves her? Or no? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but that's what I think. I think it makes him a more calculated psychiatrist. It was probably one of those things that he learned in school. Uh, in, in med school about being a psychiatrist because you know when you're listening to somebody else's problems or something like that you have to make an unbiased opinion about that to help them yeah. so therefore you know naturally you got to learn all the different techniques so that way you know when somebody's looking at you and they're crying and they're bawling and all this other kind of stuff or what are being pissed off and whatnot you know their facial expressions aren't changing how you are you know what i mean yeah and um Man, and watching Lecter is great. Like, the scene when he's talking to the senator and he's just like, oh, and senator, love your suit. And then his yeah. eye, like the way his eyes look, I was just like, damn. But it's such a small scene, such a small line. But how he delivers it, the look in his eyes is just like, holy shit. Well, that's why he won an Oscar. Yeah. Um. So another big scene that I think we need to talk about is the goodbye horses scene. Um. Not only have Classic. I have I done this to Kenneth, um, <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> uh, but I want to point out the back and forth uh, going between uh, Bill and Catherine. Bill is performing; he's all clean, he's all 
prettied. Then you go to Catherine and it's she's all dirty and desperate trying to get this dog. Even uh, if you look at the, the music used in the scene, Goodbye Horses, compare that to the music that, uh, you know, that she, she had when she was just driving, American Girl. Like, those are perfect song selections to cap. Like, she is an American girl. And unfortunately, she has the tragedy of America happen to her. She helps someone and is kidnapped and is taken away. And for him, he, you've got the Goodbye Horses song, which is the most oddly uh, upbeat, depressing song I think I've ever heard um, going on. And he can perform it and be sensual. But at the same time, there's this like layer of just sadness in that song. And I think it's very, it's very, uh, the juxtapositions between those two songs and the looks between the two people in this scene is fantastic. Yes. I agree. Um, so, uh, quite question. Do, um, any of y'all have any scenes you absolutely hate? Cause I've got two scenes. Uh, well, three scenes, I guess I really don't like. Do um, let me think. I'm gonna have to think on this one. Uh, Kenneth, do you have any, or, or do you want me to just go into one of mine? Hmm. Scene that I actually absolutely hate for this movie. Yeah, because I've got three scenes. That I don't know. Maybe I don't necessarily hate, but uh, there are obvious flaws in this movie. And in a movie as as perfect as this, they stand out. Um, and one of them is. Um, okay, so I really like in this movie how as the movie goes on, you find out more and more about Bill. You slowly and slowly get more peaks into, inside of his life. So towards the end of the movie, there is a scene where Clarice is going through a house and somehow out of, out of nowhere, she just walks up to this music box and opens it and, and finds the information she needs. There's nothing to clue her in about this music box. She just picks it up. Well, I mean, if you're looking around something, I I, 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 I kind of, of a, I kind of agree because you know what what would, but then again, the more that I think about it, you know, but, you but, would. You would want something like if you were that chick, something that means a lot to you, and apparently those pictures meant something to her. You know, putting in putting them in something. It's like it's like a very very small hope chest, but not for hope. It's just things that you want to keep or whatever. I mean, I guess I guess normally music boxes have a very emotional attachment to the person, or the person has a very emotional attachment to the box. So putting them there, I guess, makes sense. But at the same time. You know, for her to automatically go to it without looking at anything else, I get what you're saying. But, I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I just feel like it's it's probably more time constraints of the movie than anything else. Yeah, that's a good point because they like can't she's, have her she's shown she's everything. a good. If she's shown she's a good detective, you know, top of her class, all the grades and all the other shit. So they're just like, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, they can't have her looking through everything, and I get that. I just was kind of like. What the hell? Um, another 
um, scene that I have an issue with. Where is it in my notes? I know it's here somewhere. Um, fuck me. Where did I just had it? Now I lost it. Um, there was another thing. Oh, y'all know when she arrives at that, uh, storage unit? Mm-hmm. For a top of the class FBI agent, why the fuck is she not wearing gloves? Going through all this shit, pulling out a napkin to turn stuff. Bitch, why are you not wearing gloves? You should know to be wearing gloves. That should have been the first thing on your fucking agenda is to wear gloves. My thing, my thing about that. Okay, there, there you go. That's 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 a scene that really pissed me off. There you go. It's not about the gloves though. This is an FBI agent that's fixing to go into a building that nobody else has, has supposedly been in. Have no idea what the fuck is in there, and there's not a cop with you? Any form of backup other than an old man and a driver? Really? Yeah, that's that's well, a good point. It's a locked building, though. Like, there shouldn't be anybody in there. Yeah, but you yeah, don't shouldn't. know that. Are you going to take the risk of that? The landlord knows that. He said that they paid 10 years up in front, and they haven't been back. That he's seen. I, he's not there 24-7, I'm sure. I you, guess, right, but I'm just right. saying that's probably the, you know, a safe well, assumption. Once again, though, we're talking about a, a top-of-the-class FBI agent. If I, I, I mean, damn, that, I'm not even I, an FBI agent. And if it had something to do with a serial killer, do you think that I wouldn't go, that I would go into one of these places by my motherfucking self? Fuck no. no I, I would don't. take somebody with me. The biggest motherfucker that I could find... So that way he there's a bigger target for that motherfucker to fuck up before so I can run. Cuz all I got to do is just be faster than that person. Yeah. So <laughs> good partner you are. So yeah. Hey. Did <laughs> Did he Okay, so do y'all have any other like any other scenes you you really don't like or anything that comes to mind, something you didn't really care for in the movie or anything like that? It's not because of a it's not because of a technical thing. I have an issue, but it's not because of a technical thing. Oh, what I is it? I want to know if like, it's mine. I just don't fucking like Dr. Chilton. Oh, well, they, you're not supposed to. No, I mean, it's just like, I don't like the actor. I don't like the character of him, but I don't like the actor. I don't like anything about that guy at all. I like you the know? actor. He was in uh, Boston Public, which is one of my favorite TV shows. So, Yeah, I've never liked that actor in anything. Hey, funny enough, Boston Bo- Public? Boston Public was also the name of uh, Dan Chase's gay gangbang. Oh, fantastic. Uh, no, I've never seen Boston Public, but I, 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 I don't have that complaint with that character just because I, I feel like we're not supposed to like this guy. So it's I think it's very much intentional. Um, but that's why you're saying it's not a technical thing. Um, right. OK, so let's talk about before we get into categories, I want to hit one more thing. The ending to this movie, um, it starts off great. You have. The FBI honing in on a house. They're going to go into it. You also got Claire Reese actually going to Buffalo Bill's house. And they, the FBI's bust into a house and no one's there. And then Claire Reese opens the door and it's Buffalo Bill's house. And the way they did that, the editing for that, was great. Fantastic. But if you couldn't call that, you're an idiot. Like, but, I mean, come on. Everyone saw that coming. But... The truly creepiness of it is the night vision. when Which, once again, they showed him using night vision earlier in the movie, so you're not like, where the fuck did he get those Call of Duty glasses? He had right. Um And when he's, like, reaching out for her hair and everything, that is creepy as hell. But this is where Buffalo Bill 
makes the biggest mistake of the movie. He could have been 100% safe had he hit her with a hammer or anything instead of trying to shoot her. This is where his downfall is. He did not take the foresight to think five seconds of a gun click that she would hear that shit. And he didn't do it fast enough. Oh, he definitely fucked up at the end. He was right in front of her. And instead of fucking air caressing her face, he could have been smashing her head against something. Yeah, exactly. Like, what a fucking idiot. I'm just like, come on, Bill. Jesus, get your shit together. Terrible serial killer. Um, Yeah. And then then you have the ending where you get the ominous phone call from Lecter. And it's a sunny day that becomes overcasted with a shadow. And the punchline is that he's having an old friend for dinner. And it was Kenneth's favorite character ever. Right. Uh, I, so I actually, I, I meant to make a comment when we very first started talking about this, and I want to go back to it. You said that there is no mystery to the movie, and they kind of just lay it all out. But yeah. the mystery has absolutely nothing to do with the killer. It's all about Clarice and her past. I think that was a good way of character development, but I don't think that's a mystery. Well, you don't know what happened. Like, you don't find out until the end scene. So, like, usually thrillers, there's, like, this this unknown thing at the beginning. When we start talking about Seven, it's obviously who the killer is and why he's doing it. And then when you get towards the end, you start finding out. And so at the beginning, you know that there's something that happened really fucked up to Clarice when she was younger, and you don't find out until the very end. I don't, I don't agree with you at all. I don't well, think... Then fuck you. I, I just don't think... Uh, first of all, I don't think anything fucked up happened to Clarice. Like... Yes, her parents died, but it's not like she was raped or molested or anything like that. She just tried to say... Her eyes were raped when she watched her little lamb get slaughtered. Yoga. She saw an animal die. I just don't think that's... Like, obviously it did... She saw several did animals die. traumatize her. But I don't think the great mystery of this movie is what happened to Claire Reese. The great mystery of this movie... The only way that makes sense is how you... Why the fuck did they name this movie Silence of the Lambs? That's your great mystery. That is the great mystery of this movie. Why do they name this movie The Silence of the Lambs? That's it. So they could have that one punchline at the end. Are the sheep still screaming? There's your mystery, and that's a, a dumb bullshit mystery. You're a dumb bullshit mystery. That I, was insightful of me. Uh, I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure there are people that agree with you and, and probably think that like there's more to that. I'm just not one of those people because I think this movie is is very much on the surface, and there's not actually that much deepness to it well fine then i didn't say it was a deep mystery i'm just saying that's the yeah that's the unknown the, the, of it the unknown is why they titled the movie that way oh my god no but All no right. I, no that's not a joke that is why is this movie called the silence of the lambs well the mystery lies in clarice's uh childhood because that's what the book is called yes <laughs> that's why kenneth where do you okay way. kenneth where do you lay in where where are you at on this? Yeah, that's where you're at. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. No, I mean, I think the movie, when it really comes down to it, I think the movie is just. Uh, I agree with Jerry. The movie's pretty straightforward. It's linear. I mean, it's like there, to me, I don't see any mystery with it whatsoever. I mean, it's this, this, this. This happens. This, this, this happens. This, 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 this happens. You know, I mean, I, I, I agree with Jerry. All right. Except for the mystery of why it's called Silence of the Lambs, because, you, know, I, I, you know, it sounds cool. There's your answer. 
You no, like Manhunter or Red Dragon better? Red Dragon. Red Dragon. As a title, I'm not talking about movies. Obviously, Red Dragon. Red oh, Dragon. Red okay. Dra- even as a, even as a title, Red Dragon. That's fine. Man- I was just making. I just wanted to clarify. Manhunter sounds like Dan Chase's other gay porno. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay. But I but I agree with Jay that you know Hannibal and Red Dragon are two better movies than Silence of the Lambs. Let's just never ever 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 talk about Hannibal Rising. I don't even know what that is. So good. Let's get into what? these ratings, boys. Uh. Story. Who wants to no. go first on story? Do y'all want me to pick as we go throughout, or does someone want to volunteer? Uh, someone go first for this one while I pull my, my little note file up with all my scores. And by little note file, he means his penis. Um, yes. Okay. okay. I'm ready now. Kenneth. Kenneth, what do you rate story here? All right. So the story for this, I gave a 7.5. And the reason why I gave it a 7.5 is exactly what we were just talking about. It's straightforward. There's there's no there's no mystery to it to me whatsoever. I mean, it's a straightforward story. It goes through, you know, it's not this, you know, grand fucking, you know, messed up, you know, uh, pretzel of bullshit. It's just there. Here it is. Watch it. Enjoy it. We're done. Uh, you're a pretzel of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's just what I think about it. And then and then on top of that, you know. The difference, I, I wanted more backstory of why Buffalo Bill is the way he is. I wanted more of that. You know, because the things the things that, like, when Clarice is riding in the car, and she's, uh, she's riding in the car, and she's in the backseat, and her boss turns around and looks at her and says, what do you think? And she's trying to give a profile. You know, th- those are things that are, you know that are in there and that are good things, but I want more. I want, I want to know more about Buffalo Bill. What, what, what's going on with him? What pushed him over the edge? Was he abused as a kid? So on and so forth. I mean, these are things that I like to know about a serial killer in a, in this style of movie. Okay. You know, I, and I the same thing. You should watch criminal minds. I love criminal minds. And that's the reason why I want more because I've watched that show, hmm. you know, um, and the same thing with uh, the same thing with uh, uh, Hannibal for this particular movie, because when we get into Hannibal, we learn a whole bu- whole lot of shit. But with this movie by itself, I want more about him, too. To be fair, and I know this doesn't have any effect on your score, but to be fair, since all three of these were books before they were movies and they started with the second book. We kind of get fucked I've I've never read the book, so I can't really say anything on. Well, that. No, no, I'm just saying though. But it, he's saying he wants to know more about Hannibal. You know, no, no, no. More about he wants Hannibal. to know. No, he wants to know more about Buffalo Bill. Not right. Hannibal. No, I said, said the same also thing with Hannibal. Oh. Yeah, if I look at this as a standalone movie, and actually at the end of a couple of my notes, I've got I need to read the book. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Must because read the book. yeah, so I can have more. But I say the same thing about Hannibal. But this is a standalone movie, disregarding the sequel and the prequel disregarding those two i would want to know more about hannibal the most the most backstory that we got to me is out of the one of the weaker characters because you got more out of clarice and i think clarice is a weaker character she's there and she has her place i'm not denying that but the two most powerful characters are supposed to be are hannibal and buffalo bill and they've got the weakest backstory okay and the weaker and the weaker character has more of the backstory which is strange to me well, she's the main character, though. I don't, and we'll get into that when we get into pacing, because uh-huh. I don't, I don't, 
I don't look at I don't look at Buffalo Bill or Claire Reese as the main characters. All right, all right. So Jay, where, what's your score for story? Eight. Same reasons. It's just it's super straightforward, but it's very enjoyable. It's well written, you know. I I am uh, I am at an eight. Also, um, the thing about it is the the story's fantastic. There's not like any real plot holes. It gets the point across without having to give you a ton to think about or to look into. Um, it's not getting too big for its pants. It's not overachieving. It's a story that is straight to the point, gets you there, and at the end of it, I feel satisfied. I Do I wish there was more of a mystery? Do I wish I knew a bit more about characters? Yes, I do. But at no point can I really say the story is bad. So while there are things I wish I that they would do to improve the story, there's nothing I can really say about the story that's negative. Um, so... I can't, I, and I even had to drop my score a little bit, like, right before we started going on, and I was, like, checking my my scores, and I was like, I'm a little too high on this, because there is no mystery, um, which is why I brought up the mystery, or, uh, that there is no mystery. So, I'm at an 8, so we're all pretty much on the same part there, so, um, Kenneth, you had a lot to say about characters, so, next category, characters and development, what you got? My score is an eight for the characters. Okay. Um, hang on, let me get through my notes here because you're going not in the same order that I wrote everything down. Yeah, that's my fault. Um, By the way, I changed the order and forgot to tell the guys because I was trying to make it more properly streamlined. Because I'm an you're asshole. properly streamlined. Yeah, in your mouth. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah, I know. my characters with you know, and like I said, my score is an eight. I go. It goes back to the exact same thing. It go, it goes back to I wish there had been more backstory. You know, other than that, the way the way the characters were portrayed was really really good. Um, but I feel like that the main character in the movie, and and I think it was unintentional, but it happened that way for 16 minutes of screen time. You know, given to information given to us by Jay for 16 minutes of screen time, I feel like Hannibal was the main character. I mean, and you th- and think about it. You know, if you really look at it. You've got the relationship that starts and gets going between him and Clarice for whatever it is, however you want to look at it, whether him falling in love or whatever. You've got that. You've got him making a decision in the movie. He's been there for how, – how long did he say in the movie he's been in that cell? Eight years? Eight years. Right. Okay, so he's been in that cell for eight years, but in this week's period, he figures out how to get out. We see him get out. We see him make the choice of what's going on with Buffalo Bill, talk to the senator, do all his fucked up shit, and escape an an entire storyline for a character right there. Everything for 16 minutes of screen time. And then you've got what's going on with Buffalo Bill. It had a weak backstory. You know, and then... No real backstory. Right. He's got a weak backstory. He's got, you know... he. And, and in comparison, the violence level of him is not nearly as shocking as the as the few things and what we see Hannibal do. When it, when in reality, the only thing that you really see Buffalo Bill do in this movie, but the movie is mainly supposed to be about him, is fucking catch a chick in a hole, or put her in the van, put her in a hole, and then chase Clarice at the end of the movie. You see Hannibal fucking bite somebody's nose off fuck people up, beat the shit out of somebody with a stick, 
and then later you see Hannibal peel peel somebody else's face off of his own face to yeah. escape. Oh god, that's such a so badass. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, so all these things, I mean, every the focus, like I said, for 16 minutes of screen time, the focus is on Hannibal. Buffalo Bill's just there. Same thing with Clarice. Okay. Uh, See, I disagree. I disagree also, um, but that's because, man, Jay might be with me. I do think Clarice is the main character, and I do think Buffalo Bill is the main antagonist. I think Lecter is the plot device. I think he is what is constantly moving the plot forward. Every, every aspect of this movie that moves this forward is almost always Lecter. He is he is a plot device that is constantly moving everything forward. He's the connection to everything. He is the backbone of the movie, but the main character is still Claire Reese. She's the one we're following. She's the one we're identifying with. She's she's the one we're rolling with. Um, so in the yeah, and, the and focus. that's and yes, she is the focus, and that is in the in the most traditional sense of of making a movie. Which once again, this movie is actually made very traditionally. Um, but be, but so I understand what you're saying and where you're coming from and I do get it. I completely understand it. And I think it is a hundred percent viable option. I would not sit here and be like, nope, that's wrong. I think it's a hundred percent optional. Um, but I just don't see it that way. I, I, I do think everyone takes a backseat to Claire Reese and Lecter, but that's kind of what makes the movie work there. This movie is so tight. They have so very little time to give us a lot of background information and and all that because of them jumping through everything. Like, because the move, the timeline of this movie is kind of weird as as you go through it. But I just see I see Lecter as a plot device, um, and so I gave I gave it an eight eight out of ten for characters and character development. While they didn't give us enough, I think they gave us everything we needed to make the move to. To make the movie good, much like the story, it got the point it needed to get to. Um, Jay, where are you at? I gave it a nine, and I gave it a nine specifically because of Hannibal. His the, the performance, of Anthony Hopkins, the character, the little bit of time we're given with him. Just if I if I take if I ha, if I were to score every character individually and then take his score and average it all together, that's why I get a nine because he is just amazing. Like you both, I thought uh, Buffalo Bill is kind of weak in the backstory department, but I also felt with uh, the focus being on Clarice and her relationship with Hannibal a lot of the times, we didn't really need uh, any more information on him. Like he's kind of a, you know, he's he's there to be the antagonist and nothing else, so we don't really need to know or feel anything about him. Uh, but yeah, with, with Hannibal being in the movie... Uh, he brings the overall score to a nine. If you were to take him out, it'd probably be like a seven or a six for me. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Let me say this one last thing and then then we'll move on. Just one last thing. Okay. The reason why I, in my opinion, see Hannibal as the main character and, uh, you know, and, and like I said earlier, I don't think they may not have intentionally did this. I watch this movie and get through the parts with Claire Reese and the parts with Buffalo Bill so I can get to Hannibal. I, Hannibal is the one that I pay attention to. He's the one that I want to know more about. But the that, movie the movie brings me to him. And for me, all I care about really 
in, in the whole grand scheme of things, knowing about Buffalo Bills cool, knowing about Clarice is cool. I want to know Hannibal's beginning, middle, and end yeah. in this story. But but the issue is is that 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 statement to me goes more of what I was saying that he's the plot device. He's the most he is the most interesting character, but that does not make him the main character. He, you know why he's the most interesting character though? Because we don't know Dick about him. That's also true. Um, I mean, we don't know Dick about Buffalo Bill either, but we don't get enough. But because of his his time with Claire Reese, we get more experience with him. We we get more interested in him. If it was flipped and we got more time with Buffalo Bill and we found out more about how Buffalo Bill falsely thinks he's a transsexual or transvestite, I can't remember which term they used, then maybe we would find Buffalo Bill more interesting. But I think... Kenneth, I think that I, I, like I said, I get where you're coming from. He may be a plot device to the people that made the movie. He's the main character to me. And like I said, Let's I, put it that way. I get that. I just like, I don't think since all that this stuff him... is based on a, yeah, I mean, and uh, all this stuff's based on opinion anyway. So, you know, I was just voicing mine and I get where you're coming from. I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move into pacing and editing. Um, uh, so let's start with, I guess, uh, Jay, you want to hit pacing and editing? Yes. Uh, I gave Science of the Lambs an eight for pacing. All right. Because, uh, for the reasons we've already kind of talked about where it's, you know, it's straight to the point. Uh, I don't feel like any of the scenes or dialogue was wasted. It all adds to something, um, and just helps move the story right along at a very enjoyable pace where the movie didn't drag at all. Okay. Um, Kenneth, where are you at? I gave pacing a nine on this. And and the reason being is because, like I said, I mean, it is just straightforward. It is just boom, 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 boom. There's no, there's no really downtime. There's no lag time. I mean, it's just info, you know, move on, info, move on, move info, move on. And so I, I really enjoyed that. The only reason why I didn't give it a higher score is because, and this may have been just my personal issue, is the one scene with how Clarice ends up at uh, Buffalo Bill's house. It was a little unclear to me how she got the clues to go to the seamstress's house. Oh, because but, the girl that she asked the girl, did she have any friends? Oh, well, she did that. She was really into sewing and she sewed with this lady. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I remember that part because she was talking to her in like a diner or a bar or something. But I remember that part. But how all that stuff came together was a little was a little bit hard to follow for me. And it may have been just because, you know, at that moment, my mind slipped somewhere else um, or some shit. I may have picked up my phone or whatever. But that was the only reason why I didn't give it a higher score because at that current moment, it just seems like how that instance of basically how she got to I, the chick uh, I, the chick that she was having the conversation with you, all that together you must have got distracted at some point cuz it was it was basic um like basically she went back to the beginning to to investigate the first person it just kind of rewent through what the cops would have she checked where her house she found the pictures so she's like okay maybe one of her friends would know about these pictures she went to where she worked at at that diner and talked to someone who uh okay 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 um so yeah okay but i also gave it a nine and i have a better reason why it should not be a 10 now at no point am i bored it all keeps moving forwards now there are times where there are some scenes i feel just are not needed and that's why i don't give it a 10 but i still give it a nine because even though those scenes i'm just kind of like okay whatever those scenes actually act as really really smooth transitions 
the flow of this movie is so smooth because of how they properly use transitions. I really can't think of a movie that does a better job with transitions than this movie because every scene I would be like, that's a throwaway scene. I have to reel that back in and be go, nope, that was a fantastic transition. So... I, um, because of that, it kind of makes you realize that the movie respects you. It doesn't need to hold your hand and it's just so smooth. I just can't give it a 10 because even on those scenes that I think are smooth transitions, I'm still like maybe edit a couple of seconds off of this because I don't need to see her jog through the entire fucking woods or anything like that. Um, so, and maybe I'd be wrong. And if they did trim those, maybe I would end up being like, Oh, never mind, It doesn't work. But uh, this is probably as close to a, a perfect pacing as you can get. And pacing is one of those things where I don't fully know if I could ever give a movie a perfect 10 pacing. Um, and I'm not sure why. So I don't know if how y'all feel about my statement because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it's how my brain works. <laughs> so with that being said, let's get into atmosphere. Take it off, Kenneth. Um... I think I gave it a 7.5 for the atmosphere. And I think that while still having a dark and slightly creepy atmosphere, you know, because everything did seem kind of gloomy. Um, but overall, it seemed like, I don't know. I guess it was more, I like movies that have like that, that have like a, a color overtone to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how you got like, uh, the matrix that had a lot of greens in it. And then, uh, and then other movies like that. I like those types of things for atmosphere. This was really grounded in real world. So I'll give it that, but it just wasn't, it, it didn't give me, it didn't give me one of those overall fucking just kind of, you know, sinking down into myself atmospheres. It didn't give me that. It was more along the lines of I was just sitting on somebody's shoulder and going along for the ride. Fair you know enough. What I mean? Yeah, no, I, I actually with you. I think I've got some stuff I can expand on that with. Uh, Jay, where are you at for atmosphere? Uh, atmosphere, I have it down as a seven. Um, the only time I feel like, uh, so maybe I'm misunderstanding the uh, the question wrong, but to me, I didn't feel like there was any any like atmosphere unless we were in the scenes with like Clarice and Hannibal. That's when I felt atmosphere. Otherwise it was just, you know, the movie going through its paces. So I gave it a seven. Yeah. Okay. Does that um, make sense? No, I get what you're saying. Um, Sometimes I have so a hard time explaining I, how my brain works. I also give it a seven and it's because I don't, the atmosphere only kicks in in very certain scenes. Um, the, the it, it only gets tense where the suspense actually kicks in in very certain scenes. Other than that, it's never in your face. And even in the scenes where it is in your face, it's barely in your face. It's just kind right. of in your face. Um, it's the atmosphere in this movie is so subtle; it's not really there. Um, and I think that's because the atmosphere in this movie is not artistic. It is not built into the scenery. It's not built into the sets. It's it's just there. Um, See, that, that's exactly that's how of, I feel. You explained right. it way better than I could. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I meant by, you know, grounded in real world where I was just kind of sitting on somebody's shoulder and enjoying the ride because it's like, you know, that's the reason why that's kind of what I meant by it doesn't make me feel like sinking down in myself to get away from things, you know? Yes, exactly. Just, and that's why I said I think I can I can add on to what you said, Kenneth. And, and luckily, my adding on actually kind of 
was what Jay was thinking. So that kind of ended perfectly. Right. All right. So now we get into scenery and set design. Um, uh, Jay, take it away. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it to Jay. Uh, eight. I have scenery as an eight. Uh, just everything looked fine. I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy spectacular, but there wasn't anything terribly bad about it. All right, Kenneth, where are you at? Simple. I got, a, I got a nine on the on the scenery, and the reason why I do is because I really enjoy the real world aspect of it. Like, I give you a specific reason. You remember at the beginning when you know uh, Claire Reese is running through the woods for that really really long fucking time at the yeah. beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and then they go and then they come and say, "Hey, you know, you need to go see." I can't even remember her boss's name, but. Yeah, you need to go see him, and she goes through all that stuff when she goes into the building. Okay, if you watch other things that have to do with FBI or government stuff, they make all their buildings look all crazy, glamorous, and shit like that. And this did not look like that at all. It was painted white cinder block walls, just going up and damn people's desks just sitting there, and and it wasn't a big badass looking mahogany desk. It was like the ones we saw with teachers had in damn school, you know, where it's metal on the bottom and wood on the top, and all this other shit. I really really liked that aspect of it because it gave it real world. It made it seem like this wasn't a fantasy. It was this could really really happen, in which case it could, but. That's that's what I enjoyed about the scenery and everything was like that. I I really really enjoyed it. And uh I'm I'm at an 8 also. Uh this movie does a really good job of of making the background always fit and it's never distracting. I never feel like I'm distracted by the background and that can be a good thing or a bad thing because it on on the good side, I'm paying attention to what they want me to pay attention to. On the bad side, I'm never looking in the background and see like subtle hints of anything or, or any kind of visual metaphors. I just, I just never am. And so that's why it's an eight instead of a nine for me. Um, so with that, let's go into acting. Uh, Kenneth acting. Acting in this, I gave a 9.5. I mean, all right. When it really comes down to it, I mean, think about it. You know, you got the, the actors that are in it, if not anything else, Anthony Hopkins. I mean, you got Anthony Hopkins in this. You got Jodie Foster, which Jodie Foster, I think, is a great actress. I mean, you got all these different people that are that are fantastic. You know, so it's one of those things. And then what else did I have on here? Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for acting is that the acting was superb. Because you got great act, you got great actors all the way around in this. And I mean, the awards that this movie has won says it all. Uh, agreed. Jay, where are you at? Ten. Just everybody, like, everybody did everything they were supposed to. I didn't feel like there was a weak performance from anybody, not even, like, the little side characters or extras. Yep. I just thought it was perfect all the way around. And I'm with you. I gave it a ten. My note literally just says I don't have a single complaint about anyone's acting. Because I don't. Everyone's amazing. Um, and the, the, uh, Hannibal Lecter, I mean is acted so well that you would think that he would outshine everyone and technically he does but not in a way that you that makes you feel like other people's acting isn't good and i think that's something very hard to pull off and so i can't do anything but give it a perfect 10 
Um, so special effects, Jay. Um, there wasn't really much until the end that we really had to deal with uh, with special effects. I gave it a nine because when we actually finally had stuff that we needed, it was awesome, like him pulling the other dude's face off or uh, putting that dude's body up on the cage. So, yeah, so nine for me. All right, Kenneth? Um, for special effects, I got an 8.5. And... um. I put, even though this movie didn't really have the effects that were like, bam, and in your face, they were still done very well and, you know, surprisingly realistic. I mean, so, you know, it's not, they're not the greatest, uh, you know, and I think the reason for that is, is it's not like, you know, you don't see, you don't see Hannibal Lecter, you know, cutting dude's face off. It looks really good on his face, but you don't see him doing it, you know, and the same thing when he's beating the shit out of the dude with the stick. Same thing, it was off screen. And so I think a lot of that has got to do with the reason why I didn't give it, you know, a higher one than what it did, but it still got pretty high. So, you know, I'll stand with I'll stand with a good solid eight point five. Okay. I uh I gave it a seven just because while nothing looks bad at all, they don't try for anything. There's nothing exceptional here. There's nothing like for me to applaud. So while they did everything good and I really don't have any complaints. I really don't feel like they tried hard on anything either. Um, so that that's an easy one. Next, let's go to Kill and Gore. Um, Kenneth, where you at? Um, for Kills, I gave it an 8. And uh, I, again, the Kills are cool. But I, my biggest thing is that the, the majority of it was off screen. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I liked about the Kills themselves was the viciousness of Lecter. You know, like the, you know, like I said, biting somebody in the face, um, beating the shit out of the guy with a stick, you know, those kind of things, those kills. I mean, it was good stuff, but the biggest thing I had a problem with is just it being off screen. All right. Jay, where are you at? Uh, I gave it an eight as well. Uh, mine, I didn't really have a problem with the off screen stuff, uh, mainly because we did get to see plenty of, for what the movie is anyway. Like, it wasn't a gore-focused a gore focused movie. Uh, we got to see plenty of stuff. Again, like when he ripped it, when he was wearing the other guy's face, and he pulls it off. Um, and the aftermath of his killing was there. So while the beating happened off-screen, probably because they didn't feel like doing the special effects needed to show a beating on-screen, we still got to see the scene afterwards. Uh, I gave the kills an 8, uh, just because there weren't very many of them. Okay, I... I, I came in at a five because I feel like they cheated so many money shots that... No, the money shot was in there. We already went pat over this. <laughs> Not that money shot. Um, I feel like there's so many money shots that just... That that are off camera. They could have given us something. There, there should have been something and they just never did. And I think that's the one thing in this movie that I find the most lacking is that they could have and they didn't. Um, so, uh, I think this is going to be the, one of the most interesting ones, Monster. Jay, go right ahead. Now, this is where I took liberties with deciding who this was. I gave Monster a 10 because I gave the title of Monster to Hannibal Lecter, not Buffalo Bill. Fair enough. Do you have anything else to add to that or just, you just wanted to justify why it's... Hannibal Lecter to you and Monster. 
Right. That's why it's a 10, just because he, he, like, I, again, I feel like Buffalo Bill is almost, uh, you know, like I say, he's the antagonist, but I feel like he's almost a throwaway character. Uh, where Hannibal, the stuff we hear about him doing in the past and the stuff we see him do is what truly makes him the monster to me. All right. Kenneth? All right. For monster, I've got an eight. And a part of this is, is kind of in agreement with Jay, but just hear me out. All right. So in this movie, you really have three monsters. You have Dr. Lecter, Buffalo Bill, and Dr. Chilton. I think it comes down to who is the best. I know that the movie was supposed to be about Buffalo Bill, but he seemed like the constant running story to put some people to where they needed to be, basically what I said earlier. But in my personal opinion, Dr. Lecter was the best monster. He had the intelligence, knows who he had the intelligence, knows exactly what he is, doesn't try to hide it, none of that other stuff, and uh, he does the best kills. So, it, you know, he was, uh, to me, he was the greatest monster. Buffalo Bill was interesting, but at the same time, I wish there was more backstory on Buffalo Bill. So I agree that Dr. Lecter was the best monster. I just I just think there were three monsters in the movie. Okay. That's fair. So I gave Monster a six, and my rating is that low because I don't... I feel like they used Hannibal as their reason to why you don't get a lot of Buffalo Bill to try to make him the monster, but my problem with that is that I always see him as a plot device. I see him as a plot device. I did, like Kenneth. You said you just said that you like Buffalo Bill was only there to to get the movie moving forward, but I feel like it's that's Hannibal. I feel like Lecter is the one making everything move forward. He's moving the plot behind, but he's he's not the hero. He's not the main character, and he's not the main villain. He is the the plot device. And so because of that, the monster is supposed to be um, Bill. And, and we're just so lacking in Bill that it's frustrating. Um, so I, I just I have a problem with that. And because of that, I could only give it a six. And it, and it gets that little prop because Lecter kind of makes up for it. But I have to, I gotta, I gotta punch him right here and just be like, Y'all screwed up on Buffalo Bill, who was supposed to be your monster. So, that's... I was interested to see how we were all going to go with that. So, let's go into the opposite of that. Hero. Um, Kenneth, uh, go into Hero. 6.5. Alright, so... uh, I think that... Clarice is one of those uh, is one of those heroes that definitely doesn't know it. She just comes at it by happenstance. You know, she's just this chick that's going in there. She's trying to she's trying to make better in her career and whatever else. And she just happens to turn out to be, you know, the person, you know, like it like it happens, you know, happenstance. She shows up at this person's house to, to question somebody else and then just happens to come across Buffalo Bill, you know, doesn't expect him to be there you know so on and so forth she just she's just going about questioning people so you know i enjoyed her but it's she wasn't the strong the strong type hero in a film like you know the last horror coliseum we did where ripley was definitely strong and you know uh kurt russell's character was definitely strong so it's like she wasn't she was just kind of there she was like an accidental accidental hero if that makes sense yeah i yes but i also feel like when comparing her to people like Kurt Russell's character, whose name I can't remember, and McCree. Ripley. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, McCree. I couldn't remember it either. We're talking so. about two regular humans who were fighting off 
extraterrestrial beings versus just an FBI agent doing essentially what is just their job. Like she, nothing was extraordinary about her, and maybe that's more like why you feel like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you just basically slimmed up exactly what I was thinking. I mean, and that's the reason why I don't give it. You know, for from a from a, a cinematic standpoint, to me, you know that 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 right there just shows how much this movie is grounded in realism. Yeah, and okay. I'll give it and I'll give it credit for that. And Jay, what's your score? My score for Hero is seven. Um, go ahead. No, what were you gonna ask? I was gonna say, did you have anything to add on to what you had just said, or was that like your main point? No, that those are my main points, and I, okay. I kind of I'm pretty much on the same page as Kenneth. It's so, just I actually I didn't uh, feel that she was spectacular. I, she was just good at her job. I actually find it very funny because both of y'all hit on points that are in my notes um, for this. I gave Hero a seven because okay, so much like Ripley, she is a female character who at the very end does not shy away from the enemy, but chases, goes forward, tries to save life, tries to tries to get it. Now, so, but it just feels, like, much like Kenneth, I just feel like she ends up stumbling on to, in, to the very end, but luckily does make the decision to, you know, not wait for backup, tackle it now, get it. Um, and so that's why I did not rate it a six. But I could not rate it an eight because... It is so normal. It is so... Like, that's her job. That is what she's supposed to do. It's not like um, how... Okay, so, Jay, you brought up the point that, you know, she's just in the regular world. She's not fighting an alien. You had, in, in Alien and Thing, you had ordinary people who, while they did have basic skills, they were basically just glorified pilots who uh, stepped up in an extraordinary situation and took control, handled business, and went after it. Clarice is, has the almost exact same thing where she, she is handling business, but it almost seems like it just it's just all happenstance. It all just kind of happens. It doesn't feel special. It doesn't feel important. It doesn't feel anything like that. So we're all three basically on the exact same terms, and I actually thought it was really funny that Kenneth had brought up a point that I was going to bring up, and Jay brought up a point I was going to bring up. So... <laughs> We are all, like, if Kenneth would have came up that point five, we would have all been in the same boat. Um, yeah. So, score. Let's, um, uh, Jay, what you got on score? Oh, score as in the music. Ha, 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 yep. ha, I'm so funny. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, we haven't gone through all the ca- categories yet. <laughs> yeah, so this, oh, by sorry, the way. It's still soundtrack on my, yeah, on my page. This is, uh, five. Okay, let me say this real quick. This used to be soundtrack, but I realized that uh, it would be better to be called score instead of soundtrack because it's more properly we're, we're talking about when they put out the soundtrack, they're going to add songs onto it that, that we're not talking about that. We're talking about the music in now, the actual movie. So score, Jay, go ahead. I want to clarify that I'm understanding this correctly. To me, a score is the instrumental music that plays during scenes. The soundtrack is any actual song produced outside of the movie inside the movie. Um. I consider because this when sound- you go when you go to this when you go to the store and you buy a soundtrack you get movies songs that were in the movie and then sometimes uh, stuff added but you don't get any of the instrumental scene music when you buy the score you get all the instrumental scene music so my 
score for soundtrack was higher because of the Goodbye Horses song. But if we switch to score, I take that out of the equation and it gets lowered. Okay. Let me, okay. I'll fix it. Okay. So it'll be score slash soundtracks because I consider the score, the music in the, in the movie, whether it's the instrumentals or if it's using a pre-existing song for a scene. That is what I consider score, but I do actually think Jay might be on the right side of this. So we will call it score slash soundtrack, but we are strictly talking about the music in the movie. Then I'm going to fuck everything up because my number is not going to be the same as Um, the one I sent you. (laughs) um, Um, Okay, change it right now and I'll fix your score. Go ahead. I I sent you a five. Yep. I'm going to change it to a seven because I think the other music, actual music songs used in it were great. I think that the score part of it, the instrumentals, was was forgettable. I didn't think there was anything amazing in it. Okay, fair enough. Um, Kenneth? I gave it 10. I gave it a perfect. Because the thing about it is it's different for me because I personally think that the music that was chosen by, by – and I'm not talking about the songs. Uh, I'm talking about the, the, the actual you know, score score – it is synonymous with that. You know, me, if I hear that outside of watching the movie, the first thing I think about is Hannibal because I know. it. See, there's nothing, none of that for me. There's no Jaws theme of Science of the yeah. Lambs for me. I think, it, yeah, and I, I, I think it totally has got one. And then on top of that, you know, because I did, I, I did score slash soundtrack for both of them. You know, you can't, and the reason why I say that is because you can't rate seven just based on the instrumental music you can't because it's got a hell of a fucking soundtrack so damn uh I did well, both do you mean them, the soundtrack but... outside of the movie like the album or are you talking about the soundtrack in the movie the same thing i mean because you've I, got i don't because right. i don't think we need to like I, I know this is like we really should be doing this behind the scenes but i don't think it's fair like i'm not going to judge like a the album soundtrack that comes out and let, I'm only going to talk. I only think we should be considering the music that is in the actual movie. So if there's a song that's on the soundtrack but it wasn't in the movie, it doesn't really need to be considered. Do you know what I mean? I guess, but you know, the so, Nine Inch Nails and the other stuff that I heard in Seven. Yeah, no, no. I'm talking about in, right, right. in the movie is fine. I'm talking about like when they let put me, out the right. soundtrack. Let me give an example that might clarify this. Okay. Jet Li's movie, The One has like five of the top you know 2000s new metal songs in it but there's only like five songs when you go buy the actual soundtrack from a store you get like 11 songs and it'll say something like music written for and inspired by the movie so he's talking about just stuff within the two hour time frame of the movie is all we're judging Right. Okay. And so, yeah. and that's the reason why I say Seven has got an amazing soundtrack because it's got great songs in it. On top of the instrumental stuff that was done for the movie. Agreed. You okay. Know? So let's okay. get back and this, on silence. And this, right. And the same thing with Silence of the Lambs. They pick great songs. I mean, American Girl, Goodbye Horses. I mean, those are the two main ones that I can remember, and those are great songs. And then on top of that, I honestly feel like that the music that is played. You know, inside that, all, all synonymous, synonymously makes me think like think about Hannibal. I, you know, it always will. Fair and enough. Silence of the Lambs music is something that I recognize. So, I, I gave it a high score. Also, I'm at a nine. Um, I couldn't give it a ten because towards the 
middle of the movie and the end of the movie, I, I kind of stopped paying attention to the music. I didn't notice it as much. And like Jay, if someone played the, the theme for Silence of the Lambs, I don't think I'd be able to be like, oh, yeah, that's the theme for Silence of the Lambs. I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to. But at the beginning of the movie, the good first half of the movie, I was like, man, this music is just so fitting with 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 the scenes with the acting with with the scenarios that are going on um and then the the songs that are used i've already told you the comparison of the songs with the scenes why i like that and so that's part of the reason why i named it a little bit higher and i gave it a nine so with that being said let's move into scare factor kenneth does this movie scare you i gave it an eight for the scare factor and the reason why i gave it an eight is because this movie, like I said, is really grounded in reality. I mean, you could totally... I mean, I could see this entire scenario happening in real life. 100%. Well, luckily they haven't found my bodies yet. Uh, but, you I mean. know, and, and to me, you know, putting yourself in that kind of situation like I always tend to and looking at it from that point of view, that makes it terrifying. Is the fact that there could be a dude? I mean, I mean, hell, look at Ed Gein. This movie, parts of this movie, was based off a guy that really skinned women and wore the and wore the and wore them. Really made a suit out of women. Yeah, but I don't like when people compare it to Ed Gein. Much like I don't like when Texas Chainsaw Massacre is compared to Ed Gein. Because let's also keep in mind, Ed Gein mostly robbed graves for his skin. Is that how you say his name? Gein, yeah. Ed Gein. I've been saying Gain this entire time. Oh, no, it's Gein. Yeah, um, well, fuck him. But I do, I do, I do understand what you're saying and how that is terrifying. Um, but I actually had a harder time being scared by putting myself in the situations because the the two peep the two monsters would never go after me. One's going after bigger women that he would skin, and the other one is eating like high class people, like. And I'm just neither one of those people, so I feel relatively uh, safe um, in this movie. And the only time I really get creeped out by it is is that um, the... Yeah, but see, that's the thing about it. You feel relatively safe. Well, yeah, you because I'm putting, I'm putting myself in that situation, and I, I have a harder time putting myself in that situation. And, and while I do think the movie is very, very believable, I do not believe the... Um, Hannibal escaping that I don't that I'm like now uh, that's a little off but the Buffalo Bill scenario yeah but yeah. it's just and so I think if I was a woman I, was, I would be more scared yeah I was looking at it from all aspects you know because you know looking at people that I know I mean you know I hang out with people that aren't exactly you know skinny like you and and so to lose somebody to something like that or to be in that type of situation where you're having to deal with that or a family member or so on and so forth I mean, I, I put myself in that part of it as well. Yeah, and I get that. Um, yeah, so for me, I can only give it a 7 because the the night vision scene was the only time I really felt creeped out. Um, and that's really all I got to say about it. Jay, where are you at? Oh, I thought, oh. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I talked so much, I thought I gave my score. <laughs> scare factor, 8. Where are you at? Uh, 8. I gave yeah. it an 8 too. Okay. Any any particular reasons, or did we cover it? Just the ones that we already talked about. Okay. It's just um, I for this because it's not it's not set up as a scary movie, quote unquote. Like there's no jump scares, there's no 
actual monsters or anything like that. I just related the tension of the different scenes as my scare factor for this movie. And I thought the if you've never seen it before, a lot of these scenes would be very tense. So I gave it an eight. Okay. All right. So let's get into entertainment. Um, Jay, does this movie entertain you? Yeah, I gave entertainment an eight as well. Uh, like I said before, the acting is really well done. The story is straightforward. It, uh, the pacing, pretty much all the stuff we've already covered goes into why I would give, uh, the entertainment value an eight. All right. Kenneth. I gave it an eight as well for the very same reasons. I mean, it was entertaining, had great acting, you know, uh, it's worth watching. I mean, you know, it's not one of those movies that I thought sucked, obviously. So yeah, it was entertaining. It was good. Okay, um, I gave it a 7 because I cannot see me watching this movie but every couple of years because once I watch it once and I enjoy the perfection of it, I'm done. I, there's not a lot of brain food here and there's not a lot of, like, couch food. Like, I would never couch potato this movie. And there's not that much for me to really think about. So I, I really give it a 7. I think it is entertaining. But the fact that I've got to spread years on it, it's not like Jaws. I can watch Jaws almost any time and be entertained. But the entertainment here is more in the perfection of the execution, and that's it. Um, And that rolls right into rewatchability, which I also gave a 7 for that same reason. I I could see myself rewatching this every couple of years, but that's it. It's great. And maybe if I'm itching in the right mindset, could I throw it on? But other than that... I would much rather put on, like, Red Dragon multiple times. Um, Jay, where are you at? Uh, let's see. Rewatchability. Uh, I gave a 9. So, okay, so why are you so high on it? Uh, because it's not... I think I went... After hearing your explanation, I think I went somewhere different with the uh, the category than you did. Uh, okay. I just it's It's not a bad movie. So that I would have no problem watching it again. Okay, it's so kind of where was, my mindset was. If it was um, on TV, but, you wouldn't turn the channel. Well, mm, it depends. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's not it's not a one and done for me. It's something I would watch again okay. in the future. Okay. Um, I wouldn't classify it as what I call a wet towel movie, which a is a, a wet towel movie. You get out of the shower, you're in your wet towel but you see a movie on TV, so you sit down to watch it anyway. It's a wet towel movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, shit. I've never heard of it. That's good. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's something I would watch again. I mean, I own it, so obviously I have an urge to watch it at one point. Uh, but after, he- like I said, after hearing your explanation, I think I uh, I misunderstood the, the question of the category. So the next horror call someone would do, I will rate it differently. Fair enough. Kenneth, where are you at? Uh, for We Watchability, I gave it a 7 for the same reasons that you explained why you gave it the score you did in Entertaining. Very good. All right. Um, we come down to our last category, Pop Culture. Kenneth, take us away, Pop Culture. Um, I gave it a 7.5. And the reason why I gave it a 7.5 is that whereas, you know, most people, you know, in in – the horror community and whatever else, no Silence of the Lambs, Rewell. And in all actuality, uh, this one doesn't stand as well with a younger crowd versus an older crowd. 
I think people along the lines of around our age group and older are more in tune with Silence of the Lambs versus, you know, the younger crowds. And I think that's the reason why it doesn't have as high, you know, and then on top of that, the way it was shot, the way it was done, everything, it just doesn't have one of those, one of those aspects, you know, the biggest thing that we, you know, the thing that gives it the, mo- the what pop culture that it does have is like one liners or, 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 or lines from the movie that people know. Hell, there's people that I know the, the Farber beans with Chianti. I know people that know that line, but don't know what the movie is. They don't know where it's from. Well, that actually shows how how much pop culture the movie has, though. Yeah, but see, it's not the it's not the movie that's got the pop culture. It's the line that's got the pop culture. Uh, but it's from the movie. I don't I don't see the difference there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with Jerry on this one. Okay, well, let I me explain. The difference. Let me explain my side of it, and we'll see. We'll see what the what they because I feel like Jay is gonna be with me here. Um. So I rated it a nine because if you start the line, I ate his liver or hello, Clarice, people know exactly what you're talking about. And while I do agree with Kenneth that the younger crowd doesn't know it, that's fine. There's a lot of background movies that they're eventually going to have to watch. Hell, Jay, Jay doesn't know Casablanca, you know, like there's certain movies that it's going to take people to when they get older to watch. But it, the pop culture is so strong. I know the line from Casablanca, though. Yes, but you've never seen the movie, and that proves right. my point. Right, so I, I know like, I'm backing up your point. Yeah, with, it's, with it's in pop culture. It's there. People know Silence Lamb. They know the jumpsuit. They know the face mask. They like Hannibal Lecter is a household cannibal. Everyone knows who he is, even if they haven't watched the movies or the shows. They know who he is. That is the influence of this movie. That is the pop culture. Just because they haven't seen the movie, I don't think that takes away from the the movie's impact on pop culture. I just think that means do people know about it? They may not have seen it, but they will most likely eventually watch this movie because of that. Because eventually, and it might be when they're 30, someone's going to make that line, yeah, that's a funny line, but I've never actually seen the movie. What the fuck? Sit down, watch this shit. How dare you? And I mean... <clears throat> Sorry, but like I think that is the impact it's had on pop culture, and I I don't think I can I don't think that it's fair to separate. Oh, but they know the line, but they don't know the movie. Like I I don't I that's the I, to me that's the point of its impact on pop culture. That that's the impact on the culture. I just don't think the Songs of the Lambs has the impact of others. I just don't. That's the reason why I didn't rate it as high because I don't. I mean, you know, there are people out there that know the mask and whatever else, but if you held up a uh, a, a Hannibal mask and you held up a Jason mask, what are they going to know first? They're going to, I mean, they're they're probably going to know both their names, but I'm pretty sure I would honestly feel like they, there's a good chance that the only Friday the 13th they've probably seen, if you're talking about a young crowd, is maybe the remake. But if you're doing it's that, maybe. then can't we also say, well, what if they saw the TV show? That's pretty recent. People saw that. The Hannibal TV show? Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I ain't even thinking about the Hannibal TV show. Well, I'm saying if you're going to use the if you're going to use the J, Jason, then you're talking about a franchise, and I have to bring up the Silence of the Lambs franchise. They're not going to specifically go, oh yeah, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get where you're, I get where you're coming from, but I just I, I I stand by what I say. I just do not think that Silence of the Lambs has the pop culture status that others do. I, I was. Don't. I was honestly waiting to hear your your reasoning when I saw your score being so low. 
So I, I I'm glad to actually hear why I I don't agree with it, and I I I want to say I understand it, but I, but I feel like either it I'm may have missing... had I, I it may have had the same pop culture status as others ten years ago, fifteen years ago. It does not have it now. It doesn't. It does not have the same status as some of the others out there do. It does not. It may, like I said, it may have during during the heyday of Hannibal that movie, and during its heyday, it may have had that status. It does not have it now. It doesn't. I feel like we're disagreeing on what this category should be. Uh, well, I think the problem. I think I don't know if like I feel like Kenneth's putting a, a time limit on pop culture, but I don't think that 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 you necessarily can i feel like if it makes a statement on pop culture it's there and since we're still alive we're still going to know the pop culture of it and even your example of um a kid would know the line but not know the movie i don't think that means you take away from the movie's pop culture status i think that adds to it because hell they even know it and they've never seen the damn movie i think kenneth understands the, the the category i just think the way he's viewing it on this one is I just don't agree with the way he's looking at it. I, 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 but I, I know he understands the category. I don't think he doesn't understand the okay. category. I don't I mean, think it's all right. That. All right. For all right, we'll go to we'll go to our last horror coliseum. Okay, I'll give you a prime example. And what I mean, and and I guess you could say that yeah, you may be right. I do date pop culture, but if something continues to go through pop culture status and still have it from its time period of when it came out to now. Okay, let me ask you a question. When you're fl- when you're f- going through your feed on Facebook, cuz I know all of us are in a lot of the same horror co- communities. How many pi- how many pictures do you see with t-shirts with alien shit on them and how many t-shirts do you see with Hannibal shit on them? Well, I agree, but we also just had an alien movie come out. If we went back a couple of years to when like Prometheus came out, which I think was around the same time that the Hannibal TV show started, if we went back to then, yeah, we'd probably we probably would see both happening close to the to the same thing. But well, it's the same thing when it's the same thing when you go through some of these people that make horror t-shirts, like fright rags and stuff like that. You don't see as much Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal shit as you do others. Yeah, but you know, I feel like though, this isn't a. I've got, I've got a Silence of the Lambs but, t-shirt in there that I. I also feel like this is seats. this falls into the thriller category though. It's not a big horror movie. Uh, but but I, we're we're not talking about horror movies in general. We're talking about pop culture status. Yeah, right, but regardless. you're bringing up a company that makes t-shirts for horror movies. If this isn't considered well, a horror movie, that's like saying, you know what, Kirby doesn't really have that big pop status. I don't see Fright Rags making Kirby shirts. Okay. Of course not. No, it's a fucking video game character. I, I don't. I don't see it like that. I think that's Jay a has really far fetched. No, I think pull it apart. I, I think a it is a little. Of... I think it's a little far. I think Jay is going a little far, but I think his point. I think he has a point here because you also don't see people making seven shirts now. So here's my thing with that though. You're you're just time dating. You're just saying because it's not it hasn't been used in the past five years that it's not pop culturally relevant. But something like this remains pop culture, and everything you keep putting it against, you're talking about things that have you know a, a ten year plus head start on it. And but I still think that because almost everybody knows the line, everyone knows the outfit, everyone knows the name of Hannibal Lecter. 
that it is still a very, very high pop culture icon. I just, okay. I think, I think the way you're looking at it is, is that it's not relevant right now because there's nothing, there's no new movies, there's no new TV series, and it hasn't been uh, in in a couple of years. Um, and I get, I get that, but I don't think that means it's not like irrelevant. I don't think that lowers its pop culture status. Just like. Because with Jason, we've had a lot of Jason stuff happening recently. We've had a lot of Alien stuff happening recently. But we haven't had a lot of, like, Seinfeld stuff. But Seinfeld's still, like, 100% pop culture status in its 90s. Okay. I mean, I I would go for other movies that we all know and love that I don't think has a high pop culture as others. Like, for instance, uh, I absolutely love the Psycho franchise. I don't think it's got a biggest pop culture status as others. I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it's got as. I'm not saying that this has a big. Like, if I was talking about the culture, pop culture status of Friday the Thirteenth, it would get a ten, a hundred percent. If I'm talking Psycho, I would put Psycho probably underneath uh, Silence of the Lambs. I would probably give uh, Psycho an eight. I mean, so you know, this is different structure, different folks. I guess I just I don't put it high on the pop culture status list, and you guys do. We have difference in opinion, and I just don't think we have enough time on this podcast for us to really spend any more time discussing it, to tell you the truth. But this is a perfect time for me to go, there is a Facebook group, and uh, right. y'all y'all join in on this conversation because I, I would love to see who y'all agree with, who you disagree with, what points can you make to add on to this? Because I think this is actually a really interesting topic. Um, like... It's not like we're throwing punches like we're drunk Irishmen or anything, but we are we are like gonna hug it out afterwards. Like we're still all in agreement that the movie's fantastic. Um, oh yeah, so totally. I'm in, just, I've, I've just got to the point where I'm just like, okay, we are we are we're not. Yeah, we're not we're changing spending a mind. lot of time so, on this particular topic. So with that said, if anybody's interested, my score was nine. By the way. Uh, yeah, we never even got to Jay's score. So, Jay, you're a nine with me. Do you have anything to add? Uh, I'd like to add that this movie isn't so popular that a Silence of the Lambs reference was made on Animaniacs. That's a children's cartoon making a reference to an R-rated movie with yeah, death coming in it. They also made a joke about fingering Prince. So. Yeah, well, you <laughs> know what? He likes it in the butthole, so. Okay, so let's go into scores. Um it's final score for me out of uh, 150 was 114. Jay gave it 125 out of 150. And Kenneth gave it 122 out of 150. So Jay actually gave it the highest rating and I gave it the lowest rating. That's because I'm now, smarter than you guys. Now, <laughs> let's go into our personal like ratings. I, I give this a four. I really like the movie. Um, but it doesn't have this like flair to make me love it. Um, Jay, where are you at? Like you want my overall score now? Yeah, or like, you just like want me to... no, like the Netflix rating of five, you love it. Four, you really like it. Three, you like yeah. it. Two, yeah, yeah, that's what you're that, asking. Yeah, yes, so sir. I give it a four. Four. Okay. Uh, Kenneth, yep. where are you at? The same thing. Four. Four. Okay. All right, we're all on a four there. Uh, while we love the, while we really like the movie and respect it. There doesn't seem to be anything there that that grips us to to just absolutely be like, man, this would be in in some of my tops. So, with that being said, it is time to move on to seven. 
Yay, seven. Yeah. All right. So, seven. What are your scores? <laughs> oh, okay. So, with seven, we have a, a another 90s thriller, which to me is, is the only one that, that can step up to challenge Silence of the Lambs. Um, and going into this, I, I felt like seven might be the underdog just because I feel like more people would know Silence of the Lambs than they would seven. So let's get into how uh, three horror fans actually feel about seven. Um, with seven, we have Detective Somerset, who's about to retire, who's got a new detective, Detective Mills, who's like this young, cocky, young gun right off the back trying to trying to get in there and, and crack cases. Um, and they get, boy, do they get a fucking case. They get the boy, case of a howdy. lifetime. Yeah, boy, fucking howdy. Fuck you, Jay. Um, so, uh, so let's get into it. Like, uh, how do y'all feel? Like, do y'all have, man, I don't even know where to start with seven. Like, I have a hard time, like, sitting down so, and going, where the fuck do I start? It's a David Fincher film. So let's just put that out there. That might give, may give people who are fans of cinema an idea of what we're about to jump into. Yes, this is a, this, this has, if, if Silence of the Lambs is just like a technically made movie, this is an artistic movie. This uses way, way more background imagery, more metaphors, more everything. It has, it has an actual mystery to it that like, obviously they solve the mystery for you, but like, as you go on, you're trying to, man, why the fuck is this guy doing it? With Buffalo Bill, you're just like, yeah, the guy's doing it because he wants to make a fucking bodysuit. I get it. But with this, you're just like, the fuck is he doing this for? You know? Like, it's harder to call. Like, when I first watched this movie, I was not, at no point was I just like, I didn't know what the fuck was going on until they told me. I didn't have a clear clue of who the bad guy was, why he was doing this, I was I, I like I was stuck between Somerset and Mills. Is he crazy? Is he not crazy? So did y'all? How do y'all feel about the mystery of this movie? I loved it. Uh, whereas Silence of the Lambs was just straight out forward in front. This was uh, all over the place. You don't know what's going on. You don't know when it's going on. You don't know why it's going on. Uh, it was an actual true mystery, and that is was good. What about you, Kenneth? I re- I think overall I really I enjoyed this, um, but the mystery of it and everything that was going on I think it was I, I liked it because it wasn't straightforward. Yes, agreed. It it you led know? you down alleys. It made you think. It made you really come up. Like I could see myself if, if like if I went back to my first time watching it, I could see myself going, well, maybe it was this, but I don't know because it could have been this. As where Silence of the Lambs, I'm just like, okay, yep, got it. I'm with you. You know, and yeah. So, Kenneth, I know you love this. So, can you talk about how how much you loved the the opening credits to this movie? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way that I can. Uh, yeah, that's why I gave it to you because I wanted to see you describe this. The whole setup of that. Is probably one of the best opening credit scenes that I've ever seen. It, it was great, you know, uh, uh, the creepiness and the weirdness because you can definitely see 
it was it, it's almost like that they took John Doe, put him in the editing room, and let him make this fucked up credit roll. That's what I think about it. I I really enjoyed it. Do you think Do you think John Doe would be a fan of Nine Inch Nails though? Or did he? Yes. Do... <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Everyone loves Trent Reznor. Yeah, I, yeah, but that. we're talking about someone who's extremely religious. A, a, a very uh, mm-hmm. wrong view of it, but someone who's extremely religious and would he listen to a song with the choruses "I want to fuck you like an animal"? I don't. I, I didn't like just when Kenneth said that. It made me go, "Huh, shit! Would he have chose that?" I don't know about the music, but just the way it was. Put yeah, together, yeah. The way the way the scene, the way the the the, uh, the the shots were done and everything were put together. I mean, it it it, it was. And then the same thing about what I've said about this movie before. You know, this movie makes a great music video. And and so all those things put together for for those opening credits. I mean, it, I mean to me it was just it was a good way for you to automatically at the beginning see what this person was like, but not giving you so much to where you're not entertained and you don't have any mystery. Yes. Does that, now, does that make sense? Yes. I, I know. I know it does. It does. Um, and I want to add that when, when I, I, I apparently forgot that they were sampling a Nine Inch Nails song when I watched it this time. So I'm sitting there just going, I know this fucking song, but it's, it's not hitting me. I know this. I know this beat. Where, where do I fucking know this from? And then, and then when he said, uh, you bring me closer to God, I was like, oh yeah, it's that fucking song. Damn it. Like... <laughs> And so it was kind of a pleasant surprise, but I was also getting frustrated because it was like, I know this and I can't place it. So I think they did a great job with giving a, a new life to that song and making it honestly even creepier uh, with the with the hard hard edits it has for that music than the mm-hmm. original song. So um, I want to bring up something to y'all. Y'all know no. my favorite. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, so scores. <laughs> uh, no, okay. So y'all know my favorite movie is Jaws. There is a really s- yes, it is actually. Um, there is a scene in here that I feel they straight up stole from Jaws. The any- oh, time when Brad Pitt dodges the shark. Uh, yeah. How did you know? Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, do either do any do uh, fuck me? Do either one of y'all know which what, what I'm talking about? Is it no. pop not popping into either one of y'all? Because I want to know if I'm wrong here. Okay, I haven't watched Jaws in a long time though. Well, you're you're fucking wrong and failing at life. How dare you watch Jaws? Jesus Christ! That you should be watching that movie two to three times a year minimum. Um. Okay, the dinner scene. No, Yes. Mill's wife invites Somerset over for dinner. Much like how uh, uh, Hooper comes over for dinner and they talk a little job, they talk a little personal. There, there's a a scene where they something funny happens that actually kind of breaks the ice, and then it goes directly. It's them getting to know each other, and then it, and them having a bonding moment as they then bond over the case. Much like Brody and Hooper started bonding over cutting open the shark. Which leads to them going and do going somewhere, which leads to a big break in the case, which is literally the like dinner, looking over the case, going and talking to the lady, 
Dinner? Is there a going is there a sp- What? I'm sorry. Uh, let me is finish this real quick. Spot? Cutting the shark open, going and finding the boat. It is literally almost the exact fucking same setup. Okay, what were you going to say, Kenneth? Is there a spot in that scene where somebody gets poured alcohol in a glass that looks kind of bigger than it should be? In Jaws or in... Seven? In Jaws. Um... It's not that this, the glass is bigger. It's that where most people would have cut it off. Like, Hooper's trying to say, no, stop, stop. But he keeps he keeps filling it. Uh, Brody keeps filling it up anyway. And then Brody... I think, I, oh, no, no, you're right. Brody pulls... They're drinking out of wine glasses. Brody pours his into a full cup. Right. Yeah. And then and then think about... Okay, they just kind of linked me to that because Brad Pitt pours that wine for Somerset into a big glass. Yes. So I just so like in, in, I get in it. the and I notice it because I'm a huge fan of Jaws. And now that I'm pointing it out, Kenneth, you see it. Uh, Jay, does it? Do, do you see it now also, or have you just not seen Jaws in that long? It just I I'm remembering the scene you're talking about, but I also feel like people sitting around having dinner well, talking about things. No, is... no, no. But it's it's the it's the three scenes all together back to back. Because they all yeah, happen back to back. It is, it is, bam, bam, bam. It is like a, it's like, I don't want to say he stole the Jaws scene, but I will say like this would be, it's almost like a, a great uh, homage to Jaws. Maybe it, even unintentional. Is it homage or homage? Homage. Homage. There's no way. Oh, I shouldn't be saying the H. I think. I don't know. Homage. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Homage. All right. But yeah, I think it's uh, it may be unintentional, but I can definitely see the uh, the similarities between the two extreme similarities. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's get into favorite scenes. Uh, Kenneth, do you have a favorite scene? My favorite scene is when they're both asleep in the chair on the couch, waiting on the uh, the fingerprints thing, or they're laying down to go to sleep, and uh, Brad Pitt moves the ashtray. That that was pretty funny. Are you popping? Are you playing with your dick? Are you jacking off right now? <laughs> that's what it sounds like. It sounds like yeah, you're jacking that's off. That's exactly right what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Did, did, did me talking about Jaws to get you randy there, buddy? Yeah, a little bit. Sorry about that. It was actually the remote because I was restarting the uh, uh, the movie. That's, that's all right. People will probably earlier notice I kept clicking my pen, and I was like, oh, goddamn, I got to stop that. Um, that's why I can't have clicky pins in front of me. Um, okay, Jay, do you have a favorite scene? Favorites, you see, these are always these are really tough. I know. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to go with the end scene, the finale, okay, the finale, the what's in the box yeah. scene. Okay, yeah. I, my, I have a very. Subtle... I know it's cliche, but no, whatever. You're cliche. It's fine. Um, so I have a very subtle scene. The end of the chase scene. The, the, it's so tense when John Doe puts that gun. To Mills' head, and you can just see in Mills' like face, he's closing his eyes. He is accepting that he is about to die. The rain's coming down. The water is pour- pouring off his his perfect face, and he's, he's his lips are parting a little bit. His eyes are closing, and uh, 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 I mean, um, but yeah, him just <laughs> accepting accepting his death is 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 just so powerful to me that scene i feel is so underrated 
and no one talks about that scene, but the acting on Brad Pitt's part, especially with how tense the ch- in action, the, ta- the action of the chase scenes got me all revved up, and then it goes to this moment where it's like super tense, like, shit, is he gonna die? They might kill him in this movie. This movie's been crazy. They might fucking destroy this dude right now, and it might be Somerset having to deal with it happening. Um, I honestly, when I first saw this movie, I, I... I honestly thought that this was a movie where they might kill their main character in the middle of the movie. I honestly thought that. Um, and that, and it was that scene that made me think that, where I was kind of like, shit, they might not make, these two characters might not make it to the end of the movie. One of them might die. And I love the fact that it put that much fear in me. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing about it, because going back the first time you're watching it, That'd be the only way that you really could think about it. But after you've, you know, after you've seen the movie as many times as I have and possibly you have, damn, you know, you think to yourself, oh, well, you know, he can't die because, you know, obviously the end of the movie. But going about it the first time, I think that's a great thing about it. Yeah. Um, and um, I also want to talk about um, a duality of speeches here. At the end of the movie, John Doe is in the backseat of the car and he's giving his speech of seeing a sin on every street corner and house. Sin is common. It actually reminds me of Somerset's speech from early in the movie where he's talking about apathy. And Brad Pitt's like, no, that's bullshit. Um, But I I see a lot of similarities. John Doe's speech almost sounds like Somerset's apathy speech. Just told from a religious tone. Do do you... Like... Like I, I Yeah, I can see that. I I, I just feel like I, I hear that and I'm just like, man, that is that is like the same speech just told from a different angle. And it shows and to me it shows that one, John Doe is not actually crazy. He's intelligent, much like Somerset, but Somerset's view of the world and his view of the world are actually similar, but they di- diverge in how they react to it. As to where Mills his view on the world is completely different. It almost says Mills is not jaded. He feels like he can he can change the world and make it better. And Somerset feels like you just can't change the world anymore, and you're going on. And 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 I guess actually, uh, John Doe's view, while similar to Somerset, his action is more like Mills. He thinks he can change it by doing something so grandiose. That everyone has to look at it and look at it. But the problem is, is people are too apathetic and it, it won't last. It will, like like Mills said, you'll be in the news for two weeks and then that's it. And I think that's yeah, do, amazing. Do you think that, do you think that, you know, the fact that um, Somerset's character is a little bit more like how John Doe views the world, that that's the reason why he chose Mills to be, to go through the pains that he did at the end versus Somerset? besides the obvious reason that Mills had a wife and Somerset didn't? Um, yeah, plus, I mean, you couldn't have chosen Somerset either because Somerset doesn't, like, the only thing I think you could have got Somerset on is maybe Pride, but there's no real yeah. hardcore, do you think Somerset could have got thrown to a different sin? Cause I don't think he, I don't really think he fit into any of them. From, I, I agree. Based on the information we were given from the movie anyway. I, I agree, but the only one I feel like you could even, like, long stretch, like, Fright Rags making Kirby stretch would be pride. 
I was just trying to make an extreme point. I, I know, between... and I, I wanted to make the joke on it. But <laughs> no, Jay, you're I, you're right. I believe that human beings, depending on what what they are given, can become wrathful for anything. No matter what, no matter whether you are the most passive person in the world, if you're given the right, if if the right button is pushed, you can become wrathful. <sighs> yes, but the difference is here is that is that Mills throughout the movie shows. He has hard. He has anger problems. He has a hard time controlling his anger. That is why he's right. right. It's not just the extreme of the end of the movie. Go back to like um, the the him explaining the train story, uh, him uh, breaking the photographer's camera, like or him even the way he reacts to no bullshit. He's crazy. He's fucking you know crazy. Like the way he reacts is is always these these loud cocky burst of. Anger, while Somerset reacts to everything in a very calm manner. I think that's why he's wrath, not just that end scene, which I, you make a point. Anyone, including Somerset, could be pushed to that point. But the reason he was chosen was not because he could be pushed to that point, but because it he almost is at that point every day. Him throwing the books, him getting mad at the books in his car before he gets the fucking cliff notes. He, that's true. He's, I he, hate books too, though. You ate books? Don't eat books. That's not what they're for. What the <laughs> fuck? Well, it's like they always are make... teasing me. I, 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 I ate his book with a side of Farver beans. I was going to make the same point about you, Jerry. I mean, think about it. You're probably one of the most non-physical people I've ever met in my life. Yes. You, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You will av- avoid a fight or any kind of physical violence at just about any cost. Oh, man, I but want I... to fight somebody so bad. Yeah, But I guarantee you, and I'm not even going to go with something as cliche. It's still going to be a little cliche, but it's not going to be as cliche. All right. If somebody was torturous to Cass, you would get physical. I know you would. Yes. 100% yes. I, I would do everything I could to, to stop that. Like, no, I, I, like I said, everyone can be pushed to that point. Uh, I like I how think... you said his cat and not his fiance. Yeah. Um... <laughs> because I wanted to be a little less cliche. Okay. Okay. But that, but that's my point. Everyone can be pushed to that. That's not why he was chosen as wrath. Anyone could have been chosen as wrath for that. He was chosen at wrath. Okay. Kenneth, go back to me when I lived with you. How quick I would be to outburst and just get really angry about like someone trying to like talk Jesus to me or something. You would get you would I, get I, my wrath, you would outburst with words. Yes, but that's my point. My my outburst would be with words, but that could still be wrath. I can still bite your head off. I can still chew you out. I'm dangerous with my words. That's But you wouldn't shoot somebody in the face. No, I wouldn't, but I don't think but, but I I wouldn't wow. in an extreme situation. But my point is Somerset would not chew someone out or burst out like that. I would. Therefore I could be a better candidate for wrath. Than Somerset. I'm just trying to prove. I'm, true, just, true. I'm trying to align true. myself to why he was chosen as Wrath, and I don't want people to think he was chosen because of his outburst at the ending. Because you're right, anyone pushed to that extreme would do that. It's the signs we see earlier in the movie. The the and they're not even that subtle. The books, fucking throwing books, getting frustrated, um, dealing with the photographer uh, when he's in the office and he's just like. Uh, he doesn't want the case, fuck him. Sorry, but fuck him. Let me take the case. Like, he's so quick and so aggressive in his attitude, in his words. Yes, because of that, you would see him quit. You could easily see him punch someone and get physical with someone. But he also does it with his words. 
And I, I think, think that's he got very chosen important. just because, you know, I think he got chosen just because, you know, he fucking started shit with dude on the stairs, you know. Mm-hmm. M-I-L-L-S, fuck off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? or, and it, <laughs> I, think I, I think that was the whole thing right there. The killer was just like, man, all right. And all I think right, the don't... killer also just, John Doe didn't have an end plan. He didn't. He started it. He didn't know how he was going to end it. Mills fell into his lap at the stairs scene. You're right, Kenneth. Yeah. hundred. I, I agree with you 100% there. I <laughs> I mean, it shows that the guy started this plan. Because he obviously started this plan over a year ago. But he didn't have the end game in sight. Not fully. Right. Yeah, there's no way a year ago that he could have known that Mills was going to transfer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's hilarious. I also want to point out, if they ever remade this movie, I have the perfect casting for John Doe. Y'all ready for this? Kevin Spacey. He's a great actor. Nah, he's too old. Um, <laughs> uh, James McAvoy. Ooh. Yes. Yes, like, I have a little man boner right now. Yeah. Kenneth, you know who I'm talking about, right? No, I can't Split. think of Professor X from the new X-Men yeah. movies. and dude from Split. Uh, the guy from Wanted, yeah. the guy from Split. Yeah, Last yeah, King yeah. of Scotland. Yeah, yeah. he could porno. be... What? Hold up. Oh. Go back? Wait, what? Are you doing uh, tribute shots over there? Do you have printed pictures of him that you're just coming on? Well, don't lie to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, James McAvoy yeah. could so nail that role. Easily. Yeah, he could have I the agree. flu and he could kill that role. Okay. Um, do By y'all... the way, Jay, look and see how much screen time Kevin Spacey had in this movie. Uh, not a lot. Yeah, Most not... of it was just his voice. I know. Um, anyway, proceed, Jerry, while he's doing that. Um, I was going to say, do y'all have anything else you want to... Uh... Oh, no, I do want to bring up another scene. I want to talk about how hardcore the lust scene is. The, the sin of lust. Like, I don't even want to discuss this until we get into the actors. Okay, okay, I'll bring it up then. All right. Um, uh, yeah, let's let's just do it then because <laughs> that, that, yeah, let's just get there when we get to the acting. Okay, fair enough. Once he gives us that, we'll just get into the scores. Because unless, Kenneth, do you have anything else you want to say about the movie? No, we finna get into it. Okay. Jay, whenever you've got that for us, I guess I'll... Uh, is there anything else I can bring up while he's looking into this? Yo, I like uh, how... Well, I found a, a 14 things you may know not may not know about Seven. Uh, Brad Pitt actually smashed his hand through uh, the windshield. Yep. For real. And severed a tendon doing so. Yep. Oh, yeah, the majority of the filming, he's got, like, a weird cast thing on. Like, in the special features, they say what they did to kind of hide it is the cast came down to his wrist and his sleeve did that. And then for the extra support, they had a thing that was made to go into the palm of his hand for the extra support, but it didn't show on the top of his hand. Yo, I want to talk about how Somerset uh, does not react or care at all about all these hot shot, like, TV lines. Mills just constantly keeps dropping. Like, Mills thinks he's such a badass, and then he meets Somerset, and and it's like, it almost makes him feel like a little kid. Or not a little kid, but a cool teenager. Yeah. Um, uh, the F word is used 74 times throughout the film. Oh, shit. And the original ending saw Kevin Spacey killing Brad Pitt's character. But I can't find anything about his screen time. Well, I ain't worried about it then. Okay, let's get into it. Kenneth, what is your rating for story? 
story. I gave it an eight. And give me a second. Let me get to my notes here. I think I think in this, aside from the mystery of this that came with the end of it, the rest of the story is pretty straightforward. I mean, you got two guys that come across this case. A dude comes from another place. They come up with this case, and it starts off, and it's fucking crazy, and they're trying to figure it out. So like I said, aside from the mystery, it was good, and it was original. But I think what gives it the leg up was the twist at the end, like I said. You know, because I, I, I think I gave a lower score to uh, a lower score. Yeah, 7.5 to Silence of the Lambs. I think what gives it the leg up was the, you know, the the twist at the end. Especially the what's in the fucking box. What's in the box? All right, Jake, what's your score? Uh, 10. Story is a 10 for me. Damn. I thought it was leagues above Silence of the Lambs as far as... Well, the story, since that's the category we're rating. But I just mean it was it was mysterious. Like I said at the beginning, you didn't really know what's going on until the end. Uh, it had a good mystery. It had a good twist even after what you thought was the end of the mystery was revealed. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 10. Yeah. 10 for me um, on that one. I gave it a 9. Um, the amount of planning and fine detail in this story is crazy. While it lends to a more unbelievable movie... It's way more interesting to me. Um, and so I, I had to give it a nine because I, I remember the first time I watched this, I immediately wanted to restart it because the story is just that deep. There's so much more to dig into here. Um, so we uh, we all came pretty high on that one. So, uh, Jay, characters, character development, where are you at? Um, I hated these characters. I gave it a zero. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, nine. Uh, I gave the characters a nine for this one. I really liked... They focused on Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman's character, and then later when he was introduced, we got to learn uh, a pretty good chunk about uh, John Doe there. Uh, and I just thought it was—I thought they were developed really well. I thought the the way the stories unfolded was was good. I just really enjoyed it. All right, Kenneth, I got the characters in nine as well. Uh, I thought that they were done really well. Um, I like the fact of that we get to see the differences between the environments of Mills and Somerset. You know, it really, you don't need as much of background information because you can get so much out of like, you know, Mills's house and Mills's office versus Somerset's house and Somerset's office and the different things that they do. Like for instance, uh, Mills, you know, going to sleep with the metronome and, 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 and throwing the knife at the dartboard and how clean and, and pristine his house is and how he keeps his clothes and everything. You can really see, you know, how, how, you know, structured and solid his mind works versus Mills when you see his house, you know, he, even though he just moved in his office, everything, he seems a little bit more cluttered and whatnot. So I think you give real good background to it. And then, like I said earlier, I mean, you get a lot about the killer, just about the opening credits. I agree. And then um, seeing, and then seeing the environment when you actually get into John Doe's apartment, you know, I mean, every I, I think the main characters in this, I think they did a lot to show a, a, a lot about each characters by how much their environment differed from each other. Yeah, um, I also gave it a nine, and, and pretty much for the re- reasons your three main characters, um, while uh, while you know everything about them because of the their surface level, they 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 wear what they are right there. You see it in their actions. There's a deepness to it. You can find when you start looking at their all three of their houses 
or well where they live you can start looking into more stuff you see their office you see how they plan how they react how they even from how mills research compared to how um somerset researches to even though we don't really see much about how john doe researches you get a little bit in his house and you can kind of tell how he researches also like all three characters, while they tell you everything you need to know on the surface, you can really dig into them and get really deep. Um, and as for the secondary characters, they they give you enough for you to know what they're about and to help move the story and, and flush it out. Like, you don't really need to go deep on them. There's no reason to because it's right there. You get it. You understand it. You you don't even want to know more. You, you literally are like, bam, got it. Good. Let's go. Um, right. Got it. Good. Then on we go. Yeah. Pacing and editing. Um, this would be on you, Kenneth. Let's see what do I got for pacing. 8.5 for the pacing. Um, I think the pacing was pretty good. There were a few times where it drug along. Uh, you know, like, for instance, when Somerset's kind of figuring things out, I think it drug out a little bit too long, a lot longer than it should have. I mean, I know it was given you know, kind of more of the inside on him and whatever, but I still think it drug out just a little bit too long. Um, I think, but overall, I mean, it was paced pretty good. I just think there was a couple of spots where it drug a little too long. All right, Jay. Um, pacing, I had a six. Doing them out of order confuses my brain. Um, yeah, that's my bad. Just, just because pretty much what Kenneth just said, actually, I just scored it lower. Uh, it did feel like it dragged way more than Signs of the Lambs. Um, and while it was a better story overall, I feel, I just felt like we could have gotten there in maybe 15 to 20 minutes less time. Yes, and I think... and Okay, so I'm I'm at a 7, so I'm with y'all. Uh, but it's a double-edged sword for me because our next category is Atmosphere. And I feel a lot of the reason that pacing and editing is slow is to help build the atmosphere. But my biggest problem is the transitions in this movies, the jump between scenes are not smooth. They're not. They're actually jarring, and it's because of the artistic choice to make something look this way. Um, or the artistic shots of Somerset in the library slowing us down. So there's many times where I'm like, dude, let's just take the step forward and go. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on, on that one. And with that being said, let's get into atmosphere. Uh, Jay, where are you at? Atmosphere is at the top. Uh, eight. Atmosphere is an eight. Um, the scenes were set up well, even the ones that were boring. Uh, I felt the the scenery, the colors, the lighting, uh, everything just, just really made it... Uh, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It just made it feel like you could feel the scenery. Does that okay. fucking make sense? Yeah, I know. I hate mean. my brain sometimes, I, man. I'm with you on that because um, I gave it an eight because I feel like you're down. You feel down and dirty this entire movie. It's raw, but it's very stylized cinema photography. It really pushes it, and and the fact that it's almost always raining always kind of keeps you under this little cloud. Of, Can't rain all the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, Kenneth, where are you at? A ten. A ten, damn. Now I gave it a ten. Before Roll you explain yourself, before you explain yourself, do you feel like you're okay with with how the pacing and editing was because it helps build the atmosphere, or would you do you think the atmosphere would have suffered if the, if it would have moved along a little quicker, if they would have taken less time setting up scenes? 
I don't think the, I don't think the atmosphere would have suffered at all if they if they'd have moved it along a little bit more because I think the cinematography completely made up for it makes up for anything like that because the way the way the color patterns are done you know uh especially for different areas i mean you've got different t- styles of color patterns for different areas um you know kind of like the blue grays that you've got in there and then the reds in certain spots and so on i mean so the cinematography itself and then uh, like the scene i'm watching right now where somerset's going through walking outside in the city headed to the library i mean it's the same thing out there you've kind of got this darkish you know gray green color the in the city so and then the fact that it is you know for until they get to uh with the out in the middle of nowhere where it gets the fucking box when it gets out of there the movie's raining the entire time yeah up until that point you know and i like the i like the i like the transition between the two of them because you know for that seriousness and everything it's completely clear outside you know i, I really really like that and and this movie with all those different you know aspects of it made me sink into myself because i'm just like wow man this is fucking gloomy it's fucking weird you know it 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 gave me that that creepiness that silence of the lambs lacked i'm 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 with you on on that i think you explained it perfectly so um okay so with that being said scenery and set designs kenneth we just heard from you and i want to hear more from you Okay, so let me see. What did I get for overall score for the scenery? Uh, a nine point five on the scenery because I thought the scenery was great as well. It, 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 the the atmosphere and the scenery definitely com- uh, they they complemented each other and they did it really well because when you get into certain like for instance the uh, the gluttony one, okay, that area was so confined that it it gave you kind of like the the creepy claustrophobic. The only thing that I'll be able to do in a situation if this guy, you know, if the killer were here is just to back into a corner. That's pretty much the only thing that I could do. And the same thing when you're seeing a, a dead body that big and you can't really go anywhere because you're like, you know, the only thing you can do is back into a corner because everything's so claustrophobic. And the same thing with like when you go into uh, the apartment for uh, for sloth and you go in there it's, and you got all the things hanging down. Uh, the scenery in that. I mean, it just gives you that fucked up overall, you know, feeling. So I think the combination of the atmosphere and the scenery together work fantastic with each other. Fair enough. Jay, what you got? Um, sorry, it's on my phone and I put my phone down. Uh, scenery. There it is. Nine. I gave scenery a nine. Uh, everything felt real. Uh, the, the kill scenes, the kill areas, this you know what I mean. Like, where the kills happened, where the murders took place, uh, the city, uh, all the buildings, the police station, all of it just, it just all felt very real. Uh, and again, going back to the, the, the lighting and stuff used, it just, it added to it. So I gave scenery and set design a nine for those reasons. I, I gave it a ten because I think... I think it's the backbone of this movie. It's the support system of this movie. Because if they had not put the amount of detail into the scenery, into the cinematography, I think we would have had a a much lesser movie. I think because of them putting that much work into the scenery and set design, it improved atmosphere. It improved characters. It improved story. It improved 
uh, special effects. It improved uh, the the monster. It improves absolutely everything in this movie to me. And, and so, that's another thing that I left out. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of coattailing off of you. I left out the same thing about the scenery for each one of the characters. But like I said, when we were going over it, yeah, it improve it improves the characters. It, it, and Kenneth, you can ride on my coattails all you want, buddy. I'll take you yeah. to the top. Um, nice. But yeah, I, I I have to give it a perfect ten for that. So um, let's get into acting now. Um, Jay, how do you feel about the acting? Uh, it was kind of shit, you know. They uh, really phoned like it in a lot of the time. Third time making this joke. You know what? I don't fucking care. <laughs> I think you're phoning funny. in this joke. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm also covering for the fact that I have to keep finding my scores. So that's, oh, you're fine. That's that's, everyone that. can blame me for that because it is legit <laughs> my fault because I decided uh, to change everything. Acting was a nine. Everybody was everybody was great. Um, there wasn't. I scored it lower than Silence of the Lambs just because Anthony Hopkins uh, was level. His performance of Hannibal was levels above everybody in seven, even though everybody in seven was great, if that makes sense. Not yeah. that Morgan Freeman or Brad Pitt are bad actors, or yeah, Kevin but Spacey there's, for that matter. There's, but just the performances for their specific characters in this specific movie. Yeah, there's no standout within Silence of the Like in Silence Lambs, you have a standout. In this movie, right. you don't really have that. I, I get but that. But I thought they were all good. Nothing nothing really to complain about on, yeah. on that end. Um, I'm going to let Kenneth go last just because he's I, he's got something to say on this one. So I'm going to knock mine out <laughs> real quick. Uh, my acting is a nine. The acting is great. Um, whether it's the, the way Somerset is portrayed as an old wise man... The up-and-coming cocky new detective who wears his feelings on his sleeve. The distressed and clearly out-of-place wife. The low-key subtle acting of, of John Doe. Everyone is great. Uh, uh, like, John Doe's acting of never clearly giving a solid answer. Is he crazy or not? Like, it's just perfect. Um, and But there are some minor acting flaws and ticks I don't really care for. Um, so I couldn't give it a perfect 10. But it honestly mostly goes on to what Jay said. There's no standout to me here. So that's why it couldn't be a 10. Um, so, Kenneth, go right ahead. Okay. So I gave, it, <laughs> I gave it a 9.5. And the only there's only one reason why I didn't give it a 10. And it's the same as Jay's because it's not Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins did a fucking superb job. But it wouldn't have got as high of a score because you know Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, those are great actors. You know they're they're, they're fantastic. They're always good in what they're in. But what stole the show for me was the kid and the lust scene, or after that rather. You know when when they're after okay that that the whole aspect of the lust thing was fucked up to begin with. If you I mean take the time to let that sink in of what this dude. I wish did. I could have seen it. But. The when he's when they're interrogating him, well, sort of interrogating him, and he's sitting there saying that whole thing about you know, you know, he put a gun to my head and and told me to fuck her, so I did. I fucked her, dude. That is, I watched that today, and it was intense to me today. And I've watched this movie probably a hundred times. Uh, funny side note, I think this is maybe my second time watching this movie. Wow, yeah, I, really? Only second time? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I realized as I was watching it, and I realized that I didn't really know what was happening next, uh, which was nice for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but 
yeah, I just realized that I I've maybe watched it once or twice before, but I'm pretty sure this is like my second time watching it. Yeah. So yeah, okay. I, I don't know. She's have to say I've probably seen it about a hundred times, but that that to me, even to this day, man. I mean, it's just that that's fucking intense. And that dude, for him not to have been in a whole bunch of other shit, like big time, been in a whole bunch of other shit. I mean, I've seen him in other things, but dude, that was fucking awesome. I I agree with you because I actually wrote a whole thing about this scene think about how ruined his life is like he's got ptsd for sure yeah like like he's fucked like sex is most likely ruined for him i mean he was put into a situation kill someone or be killed and not just you know shoot them stab them not give them medicine no you fuck them to death with a giant (laughs) cock knife yes i want to see that scene and i want to see it and like like you're, you're 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 just you're just fucked, man. And he's sitting there like, the, oh my god, the gun was in my mouth. It was in my throat. It was in my throat. Like he, like him freaking out, repeating sentences. You're just like, this dude is, is, fucked. He is in shock. He is the rest of his life. Like this dude probably died within two years of a drug overdose. To be a hundred percent honest with you. Yeah, and that right there, man. You. You just pretty much explained my whole point of why, to me, this guy just took it. Because that guy... That I heard the girl took it. ...conveyed all that shit. Yeah, well, whatever. That guy conveyed all that. All that. Yeah. And fuck it. How, how long was that dude on fucking screen? Two two minutes? Three minutes? Not even yeah. three minutes? Two minutes of damn screen time, and he conveyed all that. Yeah. That's Holy fucking shit. amazing. Um, I agree. Whew. Man. Um, and with that that said, let's get into uh, special effects. Jay, go at it. Uh, I'll avoid making that joke again. I just wanted to, though. I felt it in my brain. <laughs> you feel it uh, in your throat? Special effects, 10. <laughs> A 10, um, perfect just, 10, all right. Yeah, well, I mean, the bodies were done really well. The When there was stuff to be done, it was, it was done really well. So I... Uh, and with there being more victims than signs of lambs, I, I just kind of scored it higher. Fair enough. Kenneth? I gave it an 8.5. And the reason why I gave it an 8.5 is because of fuck-ups. What fuck-ups? Can you point out any to us? Sure. Absolutely. It, the biggest one above all. When you, go, when you uh, watch it and you watch the sloth scene, the dude that's moving around on the bed and whatnot, if you look at it, and if, now that I'm telling you, you won't ever be able to unsee it. Jay, his plug arm, your ears. Jay, plug your ears. <laughs> his arm, his real arm, is uncovered. Oh, shit. I'll have to go back and watch that. I'd never yeah, I'd have to go that. back to see it. Yep, it's completely uncovered. And you'll you and, and it, once you notice it, you can almost... It, it's almost difficult... To not want to, you it's so obvious once you notice it that it looks like the other arm shouldn't be there. So when you look at the fake one that's sitting up there with no hand on it, it looks fucking weird. Damn, I'll have to I will have to check that out because I never noticed it. And then there's other parts where like uh, you know where it's like raining outside and stuff like that, but you can see the patches in the background where they don't have the uh, the rain rig going all the way back, so it's not raining in the background, but it's raining okay, in yeah. the foreground. Yeah, I've seen. I, I have noticed that before. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, little shot fuck-ups like that and things, that's the reason why I can't give the special effects, you know, a 100%. The same thing with the big dude that with his face in the spaghetti. That was not a that was not a dummy. That was really a guy. And he was sitting there and you can see him breathing. Hmm. I, I, I never I, noticed I, that either. I think yeah. I think the problem is cuz I'm always looking in the background of this movie and I think that's why I miss things like that. Yeah, you can you can actually see with him. You can see him breathing a little bit, and you can see his shoulder muscle kind of flex a little bit. Interesting. And for and what pisses me off is about a movie that is you know there's so much detail and so much stuff going on to convey different things for the person that you know whether it be the director, the editor, whatever for them not to catch that kind of shit that bothers me. Yeah, I, it's so got to be the stuff they never they didn't catch while they were filming and you can't go back and film those scenes like but so but, but the sloth one DC superhero movie yeah, yeah but the sloth one wait do you see it when you see the sloth one dude you're gonna be like oh my god i can't believe i fucking missed that and you'll never not be able to look at it again damn well i gave special effects an eight um i liked all the special effects um i even have how i think the body of, the, of sloth looked really good um all the dead bodies come off great um, there's more for me to see here, so there's more for me to judge, so I could give it a, a higher special effect. So, with that, uh, kills and gore. Kenneth, go ahead. Let me get uh, kills and gore. I gave kills an 8.5, and uh, let me, yeah, there it is. Um, they were really good, uh, they were inventive, um, especially the lust kill. The lust kill was fucking. It was awesome, but you know, I've, I've got I got a lot of the same problem. You know, you don't really see the kills directly; they're all pretty much off screen. And you know, like Jay was saying, he wanted to see the chick get fucked. You know what I'm saying? I would have loved to have seen the one where the dude cut his own cut the uh, cut the uh, love handle off of him for the pound of flesh for greed. I would have loved to have seen that. I think that would have been really cool. Um, you know, so there are some of it that I wish I could have seen on screen. And I still think it could have been done really well to where you wouldn't, you know, there would have been no, you wouldn't have known who the killer was. You yeah, know, I still think. That's my biggest problem is I don't want those scenes because I do not want any indication of who the killer is until that reveal. So I don't want those scenes. I, I actually give this movie a complete pass on having the kills off screen. Yeah, see I wanted a little bit of it, but it's the same thing. If you could have you could have shot it to where you know you wouldn't even see the killer. You would just see the victim and and whatever device that the killer was using to make sure that like, you know, the gun to the head for the gluttony thing, you could have just seen the nose of the gun and the guy and him sitting there whimpering and whatever as he's shoveling spaghetti into his mouth and that's it. Yeah, I just I just don't want I just feel like even with that like I don't want to hear the killer. I don't want to be hearing the killer talk. I don't right. want anything to ruin that reveal. So, like, I'm in the same boat. And I and I gave it a similar rating. Like, I gave it um, a 7 because while I love the gore we see, we don't see any kills. But at the same time, I also kind of give it a pass because I, would, I think it would ruin something else in the movie. So, that's where I'm at. Jay, uh, if, where are you at? So, if you had seen... Uh, the gun against the the gluttony guy's head that would completely make the morgue scene pointless. 
Yes. But I was just using that as an example because when it really comes down to it, in my personal opinion, I really wouldn't want to see any of the shit with the fat guy on screen. But I was just using that as an No, no, no. I, I get Fair your point. Enough. But I'm just like Jay's throwing my point where the if, if we see scenes with the killer, him doing the acts, even if we don't see him, even if we don't hear him, it's going to give away something about the killer. And I, and I prefer – the things we learn about the killer to be sh- from the detectives. Different strokes, different folks. Yeah, no, no. This is a complete opinion-based thing. And, and Jay, where were you? Are you at? Because I know you want to see the kills. Do you think it would be worth having certain changes to make to where you can see the kills on screen? Um. No, I mean, I don't want to. I'm not a filmmaker. I don't know, you know? I don't know what makes a good movie. I am a big fan of gore. This isn't a gore film, though. I just thought the idea of a knife dildo was something that I would like to see executed in a film one day. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of where that comes from. For the movie itself and the way it's set up, um, I, what we got was fine. We got to see the aftermath, so there's still plenty of, you know... Oh, we didn't see the aftermath of him. We didn't get to see shit about the chick. Well, that would have been hard to show. Again, it's not a gore film. Yeah. You know, I just am a big fan of, of gore movies, as I've said before. Uh, I gave the kills a nine just because we still got to see, you know, what we got to see was was done well. I, the special effects, the aftermath, the bodies, uh, I enjoyed. All right. Well, let's go into Monster. Jay, how did you feel about this monster? Uh, monster I gave a nine to. Um, I assigned the role to Kevin Spacey <laughs> and the John Doe character. Obviously, there wasn't uh, multiple killers to choose from in this movie. But uh, the fact that he was always a step ahead of them until they the detectives kind of cheated. They went outside the law to figure it out. Uh, and even then, until the end, he's still a step ahead of all of them. You find out. Uh, So I really like I'm a big fan of when the bad guys plans get executed properly and they don't they don't get foiled for stupid reasons, uh, like just because the good guy has to win kind of deal. So very having him having him actually succeed in his plan, essentially. I mean, he got Brad Kitt to kill him, making him wrath and he identified himself as envy and died because of it. He completed his plan. So he won. And that made me happy. So I gave him the nine that I gave him. All right, Kenneth. 9.5. I thought the uh, I thought John Doe was a great killer. Um, he had purpose. purpose. It was clear what he was doing. He didn't deviate, you know, and uh, he didn't let anything stray him. I mean, even after, you know, like Jay said, they went outside the law to figure something out. It didn't slow him down too much i mean he you know right after that little slip up once he got away he was right back at it you know and, and so his purpose and everything i mean he just he had his target and he went to his target and i really really liked that yeah I, man y'all are honestly making me feel like i scored this low um shit but I, okay i gave it a seven because while i think john doe works so well with this movie I, there's so much we don't see that it doesn't make him a good monster to me. But now I'm just like, no, Jerry, you're just wrong. This this should at least be <laughs> this should at least be an eight. Um, but unfortunately I did give it a seven. 
Um, so I'm going to stick with that for now, but I am publicly admitting I'm wrong. It should be a point higher. I originally was like, well, we don't get enough of them. We don't see enough of them. And while that works great for the mystery, works fantastic for the movie, doesn't work great for the monster, but I literally just used that point as why the reasons that I give it a pass for we don't see the kills on screen. And so now I'm making that's making me rethink how low I rated this. So I gave it a 7 and that's a fuck up. Um, but with that saying, let's get into the hero. Uh Kenneth, what do you feel about the heroes? Let me find my check. Here we go. All right, for the heroes, I gave an 8.5 to them and I like the heroes in this, you know, pretty pretty damn well. Um I think there was a lot of depth to, uh, like, Somerset. But not to mention, uh, Mills had more faith in people. But at the same time, you know, his faith in people was extremely tested. And at the end of it, he became kind of like the anti-hero. Not only that, like, his faith in people were, you know, basically all the people that do terrible crimes, they're insane. Like, that's kind of the attitude he gives the entire time. yeah, and at the end of it, I mean, he's literally driven it, virtually insane, you know, to the point of where he takes the law completely into his own hands. And he, like I said, he becomes the anti-hero. Yeah. And, he, and so... As I say, he, yeah, it, it, with Somerset being, no, there might not be crazy, and Somerset saying, no, they are crazy. And then Summer, then Mills gets put in a situation where he kills someone that's not trying to harm him. And it kind of proves that, no, people can do something bad without being crazy. And it kind of proves right. that at the end. Right. And so I think the heroes were, were you know, pretty pretty awesome, you know, considering this. Because there was a great dynamic between the two of them. Agreed. You know, with, with Somerset staying in the hero box and then mills going from the hero box and the, and the crazy thing about mills is is mills is, is the before the end of it is more of the typical type of hero you know he's the one that's got you know he's got the uh the alpha male kind of kind of thing going and you know he's he's a little bit more energetic and he's got a loud mouth and all the rest of this shit and he's got you know quick flare. to fight and yeah right he's got he's got all that shit and then at the end of it look what happens i i, I thought it was awesome I agree. Jay, where are you at? Uh, in my office, recording a podcast. God damn, mm. that was a good answer. Okay, yeah. See, better joke now. Yeah. Uh, heroes, I have eight for hero. Um, I'm kind of just in agreement with, with Kenneth on this one. I don't know if I have much more to add to it. Fair enough. Um, I feel like the main hero role switched between the two main characters uh, throughout the course of the movie. When we first start, it's, you know, it's Morgan Freeman. He's the better detective. He's the more seasoned detective. Um, He seems to care more about just solving the case or actually not even really caring about the case because he's about to retire in six days, damn it, Riggs. Um, That... (laughs) (laughs) That that, that took a second to hit me, but damn, that was good. Um, Nice. And then as they go through, you know, the, the... they they become better partners as opposed to just like leave me the fuck alone i'm almost done to okay maybe we should solve this together and i want to help you so i felt the the main hero role changed a little bit but overall i'd give them eights 
All right, I, I'm at an eight also. Um, heroes come in many shapes and sizes, and we see that here. What we what we have here are two faces of the same coin, giving us a different perspective on why a person is driven to do good where they can. And and the way that is shown in this movie to me is fantastic. The heroes are just good. You've got both the calm, cool, and collective hero and the guns blazing hero. And I love it. So next we have soundtrack. Jay, where are you at? Uh, the soundtrack for this one. God, where is it? There is it. I gave an eight. I scored it higher because I felt the score worked better with the 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 scenes that were filled with tension like the the music played during the chase scene and stuff i still don't feel like there's a seven theme besides maybe the remix of the nine inch nail song but the music i i noticed the music more in this movie than i did in silence of the lambs i felt throwaway in silence of the lambs and this one it felt like it enhanced the scenes okay kenneth where are you at i gave it a 10 and i mean in this one you know, I think that, you know, the score itself, the music itself, it was done really well. It definitely accented the scenes and whatever else. But the let's face it, man. I mean, the combination of that plus the songs that were put into the movie, which were all great, especially for the time period. I mean, Nine Inch Nails and the other rock songs that were in it. I mean, you know, I, I think it was just for the crowd that this movie was aimed at. It was done amazing. Okay, so I gave the soundtrack slash score a five because I honestly can't tell you a single thing about it except that they used the Nine Inch Nails songs for the opening theme. I, like, never noticed the music in this movie. I literally, when I was doing my scores, could not think of a single scene, could not place music anywhere. Um, and, and I will be the first one to admit that I am actually really bad at placing music and paying attention to a score in a movie so i can't i can't really say anything there um so kenneth scare factor i give it an eight and you know uh i think the reason that i give it an eight because it's another one of those that uh if you look at it from a from a realistic point of view you know, if you look at it from a realistic point of view, I genuinely think that if somebody got fed up enough with uh, with society and the way society is, especially in a city or whatever else, I could totally see somebody doing some crazy shit like this. And I totally and I totally can uh, could see somebody if they spent enough time and had the intelligence that John Doe had executing some of this stuff, probably pretty close to the same way. Yeah. So I think for, I think from that point of view and looking at it for the realism, yeah, it's pretty goddamn scary. Mm-hmm, I agree. And that's one of those things where every one of us commits at least one of these sins. All three. Oh, of them, I I'm mean, a perfect fucking angel. Yeah, sure you are. But yeah, you're <laughs> the angel all, that rebelled against God. Yes. The three, the three of us, the, the three of us on this podcast, you know, all three of us have committed one of these sins, if not multiple. Man, I can't wait for Lucifer to come back on the air. <laughs> Welcome to the Morning Star Podcast, here to tell you all the satanic news. Um, sorry, go ahead, Kenneth. 
Yeah, so from that aspect, I mean, it just it doesn't seem that very far fetched of an idea to think to myself that some some guy that is just absolutely fed up with the state of things, especially with the way that a lot of stuff is going on now, not even in, back when this movie came out, but now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I could see somebody doing some crazy mm-hmm. shit like this. Yeah. All right, Jay, what you got? Uh, God damn it. Sorry, I click it. When I click to scroll, it pulls up the keyboard because of things I want to edit it. Oh, yeah. Uh, eight. Eight. I put eight as the scare factor. Word, word. What you got? Which, why? Why is it an eight? Uh, pretty much the same reasons I mentioned for Silence of the Lambs and the stuff that Kenneth mentioned, you know. Like I said, there's no, there's no jump scares or an actual monster in this movie just like Silence of the Lambs. It's just the stuff that, you know, the tension in it is... It's very tense. <laughs> okay. Well, I gave it an eight specifically because of the one jump scare it has, which is sloth. When that motherfucker <laughs> starts breathing. Oh, yeah. I forgot about it, that. It I guess that's me. technically a jump scare. I mean, if you, yes. make, if, you, if you make my boy, Dr. Cox from Scrubs, jump, you're doing something. And, and, that's, and I give it an eight because of that and because... Uh, I, I think, like Kenneth said, when you get deeper into it, it becomes really scary. It's really easy to relate to just any of the victims, uh, or even being put in a situation like Mills, where, like, what do you do in a situation? You have a gun, the person is, you can kill them right then and there, and they just fully admitted to killing your wife and unborn child that you did not even fucking know about. Like, yeah. that's some shit, man. Like, uh, he got it second worst. I still think the Lust guy got it worse. But Mills is, is, is right next to him. Um, and so I give it an 8. So let's jump into entertainment. Jay, entertain me. With the lights um, out. <laughs> it's contagious? Yes. It's a stage rest. Whatever the lyrics are. No one knows uh, entertainment. what the lyrics are. <laughs> uh, I gave it an 8. Entertainment was an 8. It was entertaining. Um, I just realized I said, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so terrible at putting things into words sometimes. I'm so I, terrible I at putting it. things into words. Come listen to my I, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. You're like, we should be on a podcast. And I'm like, you do all the talking. This is great. Um, I just, I have things in my brain and sometimes I can't put them into words. I hate it. If there was a magic computer that could translate my thoughts into elegant words, I'd be the most well-spoken person in the world. You know what's <laughs> funny, though, is, like, you're really good at writing it, but it has, it almost seems like you can't, like, it has to be on the spot. Something has to trigger you, and then you just fucking bam, right? <laughs> like, That's true, too. But it doesn't I'm work really, when really I'm, like... passionate about something, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm better. I can't sit here and be like... All right, Jay, I need you to write uh, a paragraph each on each of these topics for this movie because then you're all of a sudden like, what? No. So, Jerry. So, entertainment was an eight. Having this only have been my second time watching it or so, uh, second or third time, I was able to be experience the journey again. I knew the ending, so when I heard Kevin Spacey's voice, as the photographer in the hallway, I knew who he was. I wouldn't have otherwise. There was no hints to it. You just thought it was the fucking media, uh, and it plays it off like that, which is great. So the journey to me was entertaining. You not knowing what's happening, um, and everything else, even though I knew the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 
the acting was good uh, because of the other scores that we've already given it. All that stuff goes into it being an entertaining movie. Fair enough. Um, uh, Kenneth, entertainment. Um, I gave the entertainment factor a nine, and I think I, I think that you know between the vi- implied violence because you know a lot of the stuff was off off screen between the implied violence, the look of it, the the scene at the end of it, and then the fact that you got Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt in it, man. I mean, how how could you not be entertained by this movie? And I Kevin wish it was Spacey. another Alex Cross movie. I don't know what that right. is. Uh, Along came a spider. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan Freeman played Alex Cross, and then they gave the role to fucking Tyler Perry, which is stupid. Ah, okay. Yeah. That that sounds terrible. Um, but the Morgan Freeman Alex Cross movies are good. Wow. It's a series of thriller books that they turned into movies. Ah, okay. Well, Kenneth, I'm with you. Entertainment's a nine. Um, movies are really fun to watch. There's a good mystery. There's excitement. There's tons to look at. And the only reason it's not a perfect ten is because of the pacing. So, yeah. all right. Rewatchability. Kenneth, talk to me. Hang on. Did y'all get what I just sent you? I, I did, yes. but I, I don't. I can't really look at it right now. Oh, Jay, can we you were, look at it? We were talking about the jump scare, and since Kenneth watches the movie that we're talking about while we're talking about it, he happened to be at the exact moment of that jump scare and sent a screenshot of it. Well, I think he's yeah, trying to look, show us the arm, but... Oh, if you Jake and look at it, yeah. The reason I wasn't trying to look at it is because I wasn't trying to stop the show like we're doing right now. Trying to, I will go forward. No rewatchability, Kenneth. Go. I think it has good good rewatchability. I gave it a nine. Um, And even though you know the twist, to me, it's a ninety. It was like a nineties music video, so you can kind of, you know, you can keep on, you can keep up with the look and keep watching it without it being. For some reason, to me, this one doesn't look dated, like extremely dated, like some of the other ones. Well, I agree, and it's hard to kind of put the pin on what exactly it is because you have old computers, you have typewriters, you have people going to libraries, but it's almost like a, a noir thing. When think when I see something and it looks noir, I don't think of it as dated. I think of it as a um, um, uh, a timepiece. A uh, what's that thing like? Like um, a period piece period piece yeah there you go it's almost like a period piece to me and for to me a period piece cannot look dated because it's a period piece and this movie without trying to be one somehow successfully became one and i've never put that into words before and never even thought about it until you just said it awesome so jay it's a 90s period piece (laughs) I would call this a wet, uh, as Jay, I would call this a uh, wet towel film. Uh, Rewatchability, I put as an eight. Does Um, does eight put it in wet towel perspective for you? No, not for me, no. Um, It's, that's lower than Silence of the Lambs, but that's because of the pacing. It drags a little bit, so I'm, while the journey is fun, and it's a great movie and the great acting, it makes me less likely to watch it if I feel like it's a chore, even if it's just a tiny bit of a chore. It's not something... Um, I can't even think... I can't even think of an example of something that would be a chore to watch, but it's not It's not like uh, Lord of the Rings. That's a chore for me. 
it's like a three-hour movie, and it's not very entertaining to me as it is for other people. So that would be a chore for me to watch. This is not a chore, but because of the pacing, it makes me want to watch it less than like any of the hundreds of other splatter flicks or slasher flicks I have that just are 90 minutes of kill scenes. Yep, I get you. Um, and I'm at an eight. I think I think there's so much in this movie to rewatch and catch. Like, obviously, once you know the the ending, the ending doesn't really matter anymore. But going back and digging through scenes, digging through backgrounds, um, catching that there's fuck ups in the special effects, stuff like that. Like that's that's interesting. It's cool. It's fun to do because after you, but because of the pacing, I can't really put it up to like a nine or a ten. So we're all pretty much. On the ball there. Um, pop culture. Jay, take us away. Um, well, the one that I actually had a bunch to say about. <laughs> I, uh, I get to go last. Uh, this one, I gave it an eight. It's the what's in the box scene seems to be, you know, pretty recognizable. Um, but it never spawned anything other than its own movie. Whereas Silence of the Lambs had uh, TV shows two prequels, one of which not based on any of the books, a sequel, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I sit at with that. Seven did spawn a comic book series. I'm just saying. Holy shit, did uh, Everything yeah. is comics, though. I, w- yeah, I would yeah. actually like to read it. Have you I didn't read know it? that. No, I haven't. I haven't, but it did. Oh, I got to look I, into that. Yeah, because I want, I want to get a little bit different. But I hope I hope that the comic book series doesn't just follow, follow the movie like – when they uh, did a Crow City of Angels comic book series, it, it was pretty much the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be an issue. Well, you know the Crow is a comic book first, right? Of course. Okay, just checking. No, yeah. Oh, man, I read the comic I've book. Met, it was just like the movie. <laughs> I've met James Obar. Yeah, I've met James Obar. I met James Trust Lobar. Me. Yeah. I mean, I, I met him. I met James the Bar. Oh, I've got the Bob. Use the I've got little steel every pipe. Every single one of the Crow comics. All right. I love uh, that movie. Yeah, Kenneth does love the Crow. Uh, Kenneth, pop culture status. Seven point five, and I actually changed it based on uh, everything that I said about Silence of the Lambs. I changed it for the very same thing, you know. And uh, Jay just kind of brought in one of the things that I thought about when I changed it. Aside from the what's in the box thing, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just. You know, it really doesn't have a whole lot either. So, you know, it definitely doesn't have the status of others. So I just kind of put it at a 7.5 and put it at the same. Yeah, mine's a 7 also, and it's for that same thing. No, Like, it had a resurgence because of memes and vines of what's in the box. Like, what's in the box? Captain Crunch, damn. Or, like, right. or the different memes and stuff like that on the internet. It has had a resurgence because of that. But literally, like, that's it. No, like there's not multiple things like Silence of the Lambs. It's just that one thing. Um, so it's known, but only because of that one scene. So I, I could only give it a seven because at least it's known and it does have a recent popularity to kind of spark it up a little bit more. Um, so with that being said, here are our scores. Um, I g- gave it a 119 out of 150. Jay gave it 127 after out of 150, and Kenneth with the highest score out of the three of us and out of all the movies with a 133. So, with that being and, said, uh, go ahead. 
Give me just a second. There was a reason why I sent you that picture. And the reason being is because after we do this show, if y'all if y'all decide not to go back and look at this scene, we won't never talk about it again. Yeah, I'm assuming that, that you was, sent the picture because it shows his arm. Yeah, and right. that was the reason because I, because I know that what's going to happen is after we're done with this show, neither one of you guys is probably going to pop in seven and go look at it, and then tomorrow you'll be forgot about it. Well, no, because I got to watch Game of Thrones, and then tomorrow I got to edit right. this podcast. So you're all right on that, and I will check it out. And I'll probably have to to. And I probably actually might end up looking at it tomorrow on the screen to get a better picture of it. But with that being said, uh, guys, let's get into our personal ratings for seven. One out of five. Kenneth, what you got? I'd have to give it a four. I mean, I really like I've watched it like over 100 times. And so I really I really obviously I enjoy the movie, but it's not one of those movies that, you know, obviously it didn't get a perfect score from me. uh you know, out of 150, so I can't give it a 100% five. I really liked it, you know. All right, Jay, where are you at? Four, just like Silence of the Lambs. Mm, okay, okay. Um, I, I am at a 4.5 because this is probably my favorite David Fincher movie. Um, Zodiac is a close second, but I, I think I do like this one more because um, it's a little bit more raw. But I do love this movie. I do like highly recommend this movie to people. I absolutely adore it, and uh, I just I adore you. I adore you, meaning I put <laughs> a door in front of you, and then I do knock knock jokes. <laughs> um. So, with that being said, the winner, the crowned king of '90s thriller, is Seven. It it has beat. Yeah. It has beat Silence of the Lambs. It was a tough fight. It was a pretty close fight. Everyone, um, like, Jay, you were the closest with 125 versus 127. I was the second closest with 114 to 119. Kenneth had the biggest gap with uh, 122 versus 133. Kenneth giving the highest rating out of all of us and me giving the lowest rating out of all of us. Um, So with that being said, guys, if you – I want to know – how you feel about the movie, let us know. Let us know what your ratings are. Even if you want like the full breakdown of categories, let me know. I'll give it to you. What's your ratings? Um, and tell us uh, how you feel about our categories. Is there anything we should change? Do you feel anything Anything you want to tell us about how we do the show? Let us know. And if you got a good point, maybe we'll do it. Or maybe we'll ignore you. I don't know because I don't really <laughs> run this show. I'm just here. So... Uh, thank you for joining us. Please make sure to check us on all the social media, whether it's the Facebook fan page, the Facebook group, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, you can email us if you have questions. You can also do that. Um, and we will see you next time on Kill the Cast, which we will be doing an anime double feature, getting into a little horror anime from Japan because it's Japan. Uh, Japan. I don't, I don't know why I just said that the way I did But regardless, thank you for joining. I appreciate it, all of you sticking through. I know this was a long one for us, but we got two big movies, and uh, we're we're expanding and getting better. The next one will probably go back down to a shorter show. With that being said, Jay, do you have any parting words? Uh, Adios, amigos. Fair enough. (laughs) Kenneth, what you got to say? Bye. That's what I like to hear. Later, everyone. Ernest Hemingway once wrote... 
The world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. <laughs>